Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty, but this one is a very special episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy. Getting through this announcement as fast as possible. All you gotta do is trust me, Jackson Bate. I'm coming at you live. Not exactly. This is pre-recorded. It always is. That's how podcasts work, except for other stuff. Okay, so here's the deal. We got a free episode of the Action Boys for you. We're going to play a little uh, trailer for you and then a long-ass episode covering the action thriller, sports thriller drama, The Fan, starring Wesley Snipes and Robert De Niro. Um, it's from a Sports Timber episode uh, where we do it uh, annually. We do a couple episodes in honor of the, the famed world of athletics. Um, enough talking for me. This episode's probably so long already. So if you will, stand by and we will play the episode of Action Boys. Huddle up. All right, bring it in here, guys. Bring it in. Bring oh, it in tight. Yeah. Do you need to go out? Stop sending me long, dude. Stop sending me long. I don't have the juice. I'm a short distance guy. Put me over the middle. Should we like get a sub or something? Oh, no, no, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Just shoot up real quick. Oh, shoot what? Shoot what up? Trend. I brought Trent oh, out. You do it steroids. <laughs> Got in my thigh you pad. Do, I, don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if that'll help your win. You may want to do some like uh, what's the speed uh, or something. My yeah. helmet's getting tighter. <laughs> Fuck or, these. Or, this is not anabolic steroids. Jesus. Okay. Sorry. I'm fucking myself up here. My cold went away. Should have the steroid guy. Shit. Coach is mad. We're huddling up again. I guess it's not normal for special teams to do this. <laughs> Sorry, Coach. We're just we're working something out. Let's go. We should have Gabrus go long. No, Gabrus, you go long. Please, guys. We'll, Literally, we'll, both of you we'll are set up the much kicker. better athletes. You're just ru- no. I, you go long, it'll fake them out. They'll think we're going for it. What? Yeah. Are we punting or like, and we're and I have to go? We're why punting. do I have to go long? But you're gonna run a flag route, just, dude. Is the punter gonna punting, throw it to run me? Run a flag out. Fucking let me punt. Well, then what the fuck is the kicker going to do? He could go long. 
fuck? We spent all that money on this kicker. He's so fucking him. expensive. Carlos is like one of the highest played players we got on the, in this fucking Zog Sports Football League. <laughs> if anybody finds out we're paying our players, we're <laughs> fucked, dude. So keep your mouth shut, Gabrus, and you, Rogers. Both you guys keep okay. your fucking right. mouth shut. Hey, I'm just shut. fucking stating the obvious, all right? All right, all right well, just I'll don't shut up. Yeah, and don't fucking pass out the flyers that say it that we're doing it either. It's fucking stupid that you guys did that. That's a good misinformation campaign. Why would we give out flyers that say we're paying the players if we're actually doing it? That's you got to be one step ahead of everybody. That's a good point. That's now good I point. say, like the other teams are clearly doing it. They're fucking jealous of our winning streak. <laughs> we just need a couple more minutes, coach. Let's go! Man, who would have thought the Blue Bottle Zog Sports tackle football team would be so fucking good? <laughs> Just a bunch of baristas running the fucking train on they're us out here. They're fucking so good. So there's a, a coffee chain named Blue Bottle, and they're kicking our asses. <laughs> and we got paid. We got fucking ringers from around the country, and we are getting our... <laughs> By the way, I'm recording this in case we want to use it for a cold open. Smart. Yeah, get smart something move. out of it. Smart, smart move. We got, Bill, we got Bill Simmons. Uh, we got Johnny Knoxville uh, playing a mentally handicapped guy. We got Mal- Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> Bunch of ringers. We got uh, uh, C. Thomas Howell playing a... Um, I won't, well, I won't say. He well, he better keep his helmet on before he gets canceled. <laughs> No one said Soul Man should play tight end. We said CTH should play tight end. Hey, let's just, I mean, let's just be happy we convinced him to wear a fucking mirrored visor. Jesus. And God. thank God. Give him the McMahon helmet and gloves. Well, yeah, gloves. He's Who would have thought he had it all over his he He's watched. got a lot of grills. Yeah. He's got a lot of fucking extra bars on his, hel- on his fucking helmet. We got him in a I cowboy collar. Okay. Cowboy collar. All right, looks like uh, looks like we have seven concurrent delay of games, and uh, mm-hmm. we're going to be punting. Okay, we're going to be going back, <laughs> Coach. We we're know gonna be going back quite a quite a ways. <laughs> we know. Let's go. This is good. This is a good strike. We're icing the punch Let's return walk team. Back another ten. Let's just scoot back. Everybody together. Fuck it. Dude, let's just go back. Oh one. shit. Oh, Dude, how ten? Are we just out of five. How are Why did we go back out of breath? Oh fuck. I I don't know. I think these. My helmet is so tight. Fuck. I'm going to pound this Yoo-Hoo. Welcome to Action Boys. Y'all ready for this four-hour podcast? Gang on the bleachers and make some noise. Have a lot of sports buffs with the Action Boys. Knives. I'm trying to do a knife sound. Knife in car door. A very specific sound. <laughs> That's, uh, maybe the only time I've ever seen it on film. <laughs> the greatest use of the Rolling Stones in film. <laughs> Nobody else has done this. De Niro. De Niro having to say that. <laughs> Imagining De Niro saying, "Yes, using Rolling Stones in the fan is one of my favorite film experiences with the Rolling Stones." Not like the 40 Martin Scorsese movies. Mm. It's a Ted! very weird choice. Yeah. Um, him singing it is the best is yeah. the best use of it, and his weird how he fucking stand you know Mick and the the Stones too. Like I was there the night they recorded it in 1977. <laughs> friend of Tattered. mine, yeah, friend of mine. So we drove home at dawn. What do you guys think? The fan. Welcome to Sports September. Holy shit! Yeah, it's fucking. 
that time of year. If you're new to the podcast, Sports Timber occurs for half of September, where we cover sports movies outside the purview of Action Boys. And here we are doing The Fan. I think in Canada and some other regions, it's Sept, Sept Dorts. Oh, right. Yeah, in yeah. Canada, it's Sept, Sept Sports. Sept Torts. Sept Torts. Um, yeah. That's in French Canada. Sept Sport. Yeah, Sept. Yeah, it's French Canada. Canada proper, Sept Sports. French Indochina is the same as French uh, Canada, just so we right. know. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that's <laughs> the first I've heard that. I'm tired. <laughs> Stop it! You... Uh, so there's there's some good shit in here. I think, oh yeah, I think De Niro's. Well, first off, I'm gonna just put this out here: they shouldn't have made this movie. One hundred percent. Everybody should have used their talents and time towards other stuff. They should have built a home with Jimmy Carter instead of making this fucking movie. They could have anything could have helped society more than this movie. I, De Niro I mean, we got that this out of the way. <laughs> this because it's it's great. All of them were riding high at this point. Mm-hmm. Like this was a major. I love that this movie exists, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah. But it was a major waste for all this money yes. and all these players involved at when like you, kind of when the you height see of their where everybody went. Yeah, and how and, and like in and like knowing like oh, De Niro kind of checked out pretty soon after this. Um, it makes you sad because it's like. Oh, they they're doing a good job. Yeah. They just shouldn't have done this. And for 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 De Niro who's done Travis Bickle, he's done uh the King of Comedy, whatever the fuck that guy's name, Rupert Rupert Rupert, Rupert, Pumpkin. Rupert Pumpkin. Yeah. Um <laughs> Cape Fear. Cape Fear. He's been in this realm 3 times in much in three better movies than this. And this one is the least justified for him to be this crazy. Like, but but what I what I gotta say is he still does a good job, and it's different, which yeah. to me is the really impressive part of he's played like three psychos that are stalking people, and yet he does find a new take on it, and it is interesting. But it doesn't mesh with the way Tony Scott directed the movie. Totally, all that, and if they had each done five really good movies after this you wouldn't you wouldn't worry about it as no. much it'd be like oh fine fun this was kind of but the fact that they all kind of struggle i mean fortunately well so like so de niro is coming right off of casino and heat <laughs> into this and then after this the only really i think good kind of mainstream stuff snipes was doing was um blade right it's like you go you 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 show up to um like some tropical island for vacation and and you get there and it's like you know what i'm fucking beat from traveling why don't we just kind of stick around the hotel for tonight and then tomorrow we'll go out and we'll like enjoy some of the sights and sounds so you go you go to the hotel you eat their shitty food go to bed next day fucking typhoon moves in and that turned out to be your one good night that was it and you did jack shit you ate the bad food at the hotel and you watched like a shitty cable and that was your your fucking one night where it you wouldn't have gotten fucking poured rain on god damn you're so right dude (laughs) i i was watching this and nancy walked by and saw wesley snipes but she's like oh 
he's he just doesn't know who he is. Like he's in this. I love him, you know, and like he looks fucking great in it. You, and, you know, know, he actually played another baseball player in Major League. <laughs> well, that's gonna come up a bunch, and then also the one that they really love to talk about was how Tony Scott was using this as kind of training for uh, Enemy of the State. <laughs> like he was just two killer films. <laughs> Wesley Snipes has now played a hitter in the American League and the National League. <laughs> The, th- I would say the story is kind of there's something there about like psycho fans and, um, you know, like I, I think you could probably do a version of this with podcast listeners of like, I can't you see some some listener like killing me as a sacrifice to Stanger? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I never showed you my third pitch, Rogers. <laughs> You're primo. I thank you would have been nice, Stanger. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> You're taking notes now. A thank you would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> great. And it, the cast is great. It's yes. unreal. <laughs> Ellen Barkin is good. Fuck, there's like ridiculous shit. Like the fucking like sports is a secondary thing. I mean, it's all about just like he. this person is famous for X. Um, her relationship with Manny is hilarious. That Manny is in the fucking sports booth, like with the reporters every <laughs> game. Talking, yeah, they like sit chance. next to each other. <laughs> Even Leguizamo as Manny, like he's too young or something. Like you just don't buy him as. I like him, but you just don't buy him as an agent. And he just hangs out in San Francisco full time. Yeah, you don't even know if he is the agent. Is he like he's just like his handler? He's he's the know. agent, but like. His his relationship is so strange with Snipes with with Bobby, so Snipes plays Bobby Rayburn, a uh, world class class high end athlete who just got traded to the San Francisco Giants from the Braves or didn't get traded. He resigned um, for forty the, million dollars, and uh, <laughs> his manager is John Leguizamo, who's pl- playing a character named Manny. And the other star uh, player on the the Giants is Primo, played by Benicio Del Toro. Best Benicio hair in a movie ever? I mean, thank (laughs) God he got something in because he's got almost no lines. And even when he does, they're like even mumblier and even heavier of a a Spanish accent than he's ever had. (laughs) I wonder, because this is is, uh, before um, Usual Usual Suspects, right? It's 96. I don't know when Usual Suspects came out really close to that. I mean, I, I might have been before. I might be Usual before. Suspects. It's 95. Yeah. Usual yeah. Suspects is 95? Yeah, according yeah, to Yeah, so he probably filmed them at the same time then, so he didn't have any juice from Usual Suspects. Okay, because I, I was theorizing, because I didn't look up the dates, I was like, did he watch this, and then was he like... These lines don't even matter how I fucking say them. So why don't I just mumble my fucking way through all of usual suspects? Apparently that theory is not correct. But like I remember reading that when he was on usual suspects because he that was it, that was his choice to just like mumble yeah. everything. And they were like they went through the script and they were like, yeah, he's right. It doesn't matter. His character is f- completely fucking useless. And him mumbling wow. is the only thing making it interesting. That's so smart. What I'm fucking so jealous balls, of, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm so jealous of shit. I'd be like, let me let me do it perfectly clear for Christopher McQuarrie. <laughs> Your genius words. 
I can't even fucking make a choice like that in a two-page audition. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not like, I'm just like, oh, just read it and leave. Just get the fuck out of here. Don't I do remember it. giving this actress a ride. Um, oh, she was she, like her car was fucking uh, in the shop or some shit. And like we both happened to go, be going the same way. And she worked a lot. Um, she later got her own show and shit and like had a good career. Uh, but we were talking about auditioning and stuff and, and she was like, wait, you actually say the lines like as the written and stuff. And then she showed me sides that she was, cause she was like off the do because you know, she's a fucking busy, successful actor. So she's like doing a million fucking things and it makes you feel like a lazy bum. <laughs> um, and so she hands me the sides she's working on and she had fully rewritten every single line of dialogue. Now, it works for her. <laughs> I've heard, like, and I've been on the other side of the, th- the, it's like people will be like, well, those aren't the fucking lines. Say the fucking lines. <laughs> so you never know. Yeah. There's literally no winning. As, yeah. Like, as an auditioner, you're just like, uh, I'm rolling the dice. Oh, you, you're, you hate me today. <laughs> Sorry. But it did make me feel like the, a complete chump. I had a casting person that I had done some good reads for. I was reading for something and I like we were having a good time and it was working and I just messed something up in it. And then I just like in this in the moment, just took it again and said it like from the top, you know, just without saying like, hey, can we stop this down? I just lost my place or something. And so I just took it again. And she was like, that's such a drag, man. Just fucking who cares? Just like stay in it. Connected, to, <laughs> connected together or whatever, but don't do that because it just you just break all reality of what we were doing there, you know. And so, and I got I got what she was saying that uh, you know th- there's a way you can kind of stay on the words, but then also not be so. I mean, I was like a little too on the tracks too much or something, you know. <laughs> it's funny she could also tell you when you're leaving, like, hey, next time instead of doing it right there where you're just absolutely shattered. She's like, you want to go again? You're like, shattered. no, I'm gonna go. <laughs> shattered. <laughs> I watched this movie with subtitles on tattered and he the it's all Rolling Stones and then some nine inch nails. And, yeah. Uh, when it, it the lyrics kept popping up, so it'd be like De Niro standing there and be like, fuck me like an animal. It's weird. They're playing that when he's chasing the kid, too. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. feel you from the inside. I mean, it's weird. It, it is like. Tony Scott was ahead of the game. I mean, now everybody's using, well, not everybody, but Trent Reznor is a fucking Academy Award winning <laughs> movie yeah. score. Composer, yeah. yeah. And because it, it, it is kind of like they stretch it out into, it's Hans Zimmer, but then they do some stuff where they make that closer song kind of like weave it into a score. I was going to say, in speaking to what you were talking about, Rogers, the thing that kind of doesn't work about this is the Tony Scott of it all. Mm-hmm. I do like that it's him, and I like the way it turned out, but it just makes for, like, we know what he does with sports, and it's like the last Boy Scout, and he just doesn't get sports at all. Days of Thunder, even, which is maybe a little better representation of sports. But anybody that, that you know, has involvement, like, with those stock cars are just like, that shit's the fucking fake. Well, he's a fucking weirdest. English guy. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't give a fuck about American sports. And he's like an artsy dude, you know, just <laughs> trying shit. It's just like, it's it's like baseball's the least important thing. But it's, I do need. Don't hurt his feelings. We've talked about, I mean, we fucking kissed Tony Scott's ass. I love Tony Scott. A million times. Yeah. And, and again, I had a great time watching this movie. But Me like, too. I definitely don't think 
the recipe of all the parts that went in there worked. I mean, it's just like, and I think if you got somebody who had, a, if you slowed down the rhythm of this, I think it could work and you really focus on De Niro's performance and just follow that. Cause also like baseball is such a slow meditative game. And all, I mean, there's so many avenues you could explore in this about like fatherhood and childhood. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff you could really sink your teeth into, but I think you got to be obsessed with the the subject matter. Yeah, because this is too. They're trying to. It's like they're apologizing that it's baseball. They're trying to like NFL it up or yeah. Something. It's like yeah. he's hurt. He's playing through his hurt. He's got to hit grand slams. It's like it's not like <laughs> baseball is like a hundred something game. Dude, my favorite scene in the movie is in Malibu, pretending to be the the coast. You know, the northern northern California. California. Coast. Yeah. Um is when it's not De Niro and it's not Wesley Snipes in the sunset, just not shot for high-definition TVs where it's like two clearly different actors in the water. <laughs> yeah. Two stuntmen saving a kid, and then they, they get out. They and got the, the right actors. size for the stunt dog, though. Bradley is fucking 90. Bradley's like fucking Delphi. It's like in his, it's in Wesley Snipes' coat in one scene, and the next scene it's like knocking a boogie board over and shit. <laughs> yeah, I did like the the use of Bradley to to see how much of the season went by. Yeah, <laughs> there's interesting stuff. Like I like, you know, him in the car in the van at the beginning, listening to sports talk radio. Like that just reminded me of, you know, before phones and all that shit. Like you just listen to fucking talk radio all the time and listening mm-hmm. to sports stuff. And then her Jules, WFAN. Yeah, Jewel is this kind of like important part. I think there could have been something interesting there. I like that it's Ellen Barkin, but again, like it doesn't ever feel great. She doesn't matter at all in the movie, unfortunately. She's so good and it's a cool character, but she has no bearing on the movie. Yeah, they try to like because she solves like, I heard his watch. He's in the stadium, but it just kind of doesn't (laughs) matter at that point. You know, there's no mystery to solve. It's all there's. It is. It's an interesting character because like the world, I mean. All the fallout this year with ESPN and like the NFL broadcast or the NBA broadcasting team um, of like people being competitive. Uh, did yeah. you guys follow the story at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the girl that was, um... I think I sent you guys a link to it. I mean, basically, she got caught uh, like on a hot mic talking talk, crazy shit and talking diversity shit. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, where it was like. She got pushed out of the way for another female reporter, um, and they they said it was a diversity issue, and she was like, well, then get rid of one of the white dudes. Like, what the fuck? Like, why does there only have to be one woman on there? And it did make me think when I was watching this character how great that would have been to, like, is that the reason why she's gone up and ha- like as a woman doing sports radio? Is it because she's a fucking ball buster that asks all these hard questions? Just seems like an interesting angle that like there may be something there because um, it's very rare in my experience of listening to to sports talk radio to have like a show where it's a woman running it and it's a huge success, <laughs> right? And, and she's, the 90s, I'm, sh- yeah. I'm sure it's just like a Jim Rome character, and they just cast Ellen Barkin in his spirited choice in casting, but it's like, great, now develop that mm-hmm. into all it can be that you have now that you have her. This is based on a book. I wanted to, um, 
it's unfortunately not available as an audiobook because I was like, oh, I'll get this and listen to a few chapters before this. But the dude wrote Cheers that wrote like he's a Cheers like sick well, writer. That's I mean, he's the, not, he's the he wrote the screenplay. Yeah. yeah. And Darrenbaum did an uncredited uh, pass on this. I guess Tony Scott loved Shawshank Redemption and got Frank Darabont to come on and punch this up a little bit. He added all the Rolling Stone stuff. Because <laughs> I got to say, back to, like, there's so many things that are unusual, to, to say the least, like um, Ellen Barkin's character that, like, I'm not saying are wrong, but they're, like, not typical and maybe are worth talking about. Um, but then some stuff's right. And I think De Niro's voice in my head sounds like a lot of guys who call into oh, a radio yeah. show. Oh, yeah. He got it. I mean, he was listening to those tapes and shit. Like, he he takes... This is when he was taking shit real fucking serious. I heard from someone that he spent, like, six weeks learning how to make knives and, like, how to use knives for this character, which, when I watched the movie, I was like, oh. Did this movie kill kill all that? Is this the death of De Niro? Did we find it in the fan? Because, like, did that work just not pay off? And so he's like, I don't need to do all this shit. What am I doing? What am I doing? I can make more money doing less work I'll and do rock less bowlinkle. Yeah. <laughs> Which has got to be right around the time of this, like maybe a year or two later. Everyone in San Francisco has a New York accent in this movie. I, you know, and even that, they made it make sense. He's like, yeah, my father moved, father moved here. out here. so yeah. obsessed with the team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would have made more sense. San Francisco, to me, also doesn't make any sense. <laughs> for this kind like this level of fandom I'm like baseball cities to me are like where the fan base is a little bit i guess i'm wrong here but like i, I keep i always think of like boston and new york I, but now i'm thinking like you know that guy got fucking killed in dodgers stadium for wearing a giants hat that one time <laughs> right. yeah it was it was um the red sox in the book i think yeah it was the red sox in the book i think of like like cities that are baseball obsessed just to me it's like boston st louis um braves fans to some extent but like to me those two cities are maybe the most when anytime i see the giant stuff because i was you know from northern california and i have my friends are like fucking giants fans and i've always liked the dodgers and then liked them more when i moved out here so if i wear a dodgers hat Always, I like get shit for it, and I'm just like, fuck, fuck off, man. I'm not gonna fucking do this with you guys. Just leave, <laughs> fucking leave me alone. Like any post I made or like a picture, you know, it's like always like Dodger stuff. Like, when did you start liking the Dodgers? And like, I don't even like them that much. I just while I'm here, I'm a Dodgers guy. It's also a good looking hat. It's a great. You gotta, hat. you gotta say like, even from an outside perspective, it's one of like. Probably Yankees, Dodgers are two of the best-looking hats. They're just yeah. clean and simple. The Dodgers blue and the Yankees blue are just two great colors. There. I mean, I think the Dodgers are is a better hat. I think it's a better blue, in For my sure. humble opinion. I'm wearing a Dodgers blue tank top. I That's and even I when like I was it. in Northern California, I liked the A's more than I still. The, I still hate China. anyone who's like not your friend who has like any sports. Right, like if you're not like watching the. Boston, the Red Sox Yankees game with your Boston friends. No one, like, I hate that, like, sports shit talking shit as, like, grown ups. It just drives me fuck. Oh, uh, the fucking Giants are getting smoked this weekend by the Cowboys. You're like, shut the fuck. I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a, I'm not, 
I don't care at all. Dude, I was working with like hardcore Yankees fans when, um, and I've got a little bit of a soft spot for the Yankees a little bit. You know, I, I went to the fucking World Series in 2001 when they lost. Um, <laughs> which it was, it was insane. Like I went to one of the games and it was great. They came back and won because the fucking Diamondbacks had this shitty closer who like blew, I think, multiple games. I'm, they clearly were, the Diamondbacks were the better team. They had better pitching. Um, but the, uh, it was like the city was so raw and I was living in the Bronx and it was like people in the Bronx are very poor and they fucking love the Yankees. And that's the thing that when people shit on the Yankees, I'm always like, well, you know, these people love it. Like, it's not just, I, I get why you hate it. Cause they have this huge high payroll, especially at the time. And it's like the bougie New York people and the fucking like Giuliani's and shit are all about it. But then there's like all the people in the Bronx, they are the Bronx Bombers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are are you guys more Mets guys? No, I'm a Yankee. I grew up a Yankees fan. I kind of never got into either New either. York team. I went to a lot more Mets games than I did Yankees games. Um, but the uh, the thing I was going to say is I was working with a bunch of assholes in 2004 <laughs> who like lived and died Yankees. So that can make you hate them. Um, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And like and, and seeing the Yankees collapse happen um in the ALCS that year when it was so they're they're up like three games, right? No yeah. team has ever come back from like being three D three games down. So like the Red Sox win and this guy comes into work, he's like don't worry, we'll get them tomorrow. <laughs> Fuck, I, I hate the use of we as well. <laughs> I really don't have patience we'll for We'll get them tomorrow, we. guys. Don't worry. We'll be okay. And then the next day, it's like, well, they got lucky in that one. It's, uh... and, then, and, then it, and then just silence. And then just fucking, like, <laughs> depression. Dude, the, 2001 and that year, I because I, I was in college, and I lived with all Italian guys from New York. Like literally, and one Jordanian dude, but all Italians from New York. Everyone's a Yankee fan, crying in 2001, <laughs> like at the bar. We're like sophomores in college, and people are just fucking bawling and shit. I will say, New York loves baseball, and I didn't really give a fuck about baseball until I moved there. Um, people, th- not just uh, like everyday working class people, will talk baseball. Um, more than any place I've ever lived. And also the papers at the time, like papers have probably died since even more, but like back of the New York post, it's fucking Yankees Mets more than anybody else at the time like that. And it's like the drama of that. And then also I, I was, I, I was living with a lot of just baseball, like a dude who was from Detroit, who's a hardcore Tigers fan, uh, one of my buddies was from St. Louis, and St. Louis is like a fucking baseball obsessive town. And then, like, I, of course, I had friends who were Yankees and Mets fans. Uh, but, like, I felt like there was baseball always on. And then you watch the fan, and you even if you have remedial knowledge of baseball, the stuff that shocks you that they do in this movie are when, like, the Braves come to town, Bobby <laughs> Rayburn's old team, and they're fucking, and it's Martinez is at the plate throwing heat at Bobby, 
And then the catcher is from the fucking Rockies. The catcher's a di- like the other side of the camera is a different fucking team. Oh yeah, and then it's and then it's the St. Louis Cardinals for a while too. You're just like, well, wow. They're, I think they're like trying to make you think that like, oh, we're just jumping around from game to game. But like, no, you're no, not doing that. This because... is building up the drama of the strikes with this pitcher and stuff. And and De Niro's in the same outfit the whole time it's his same storyline happening for that braves game but they're just all these different yeah and then at the and the at the game at the end that's getting rained out like i can't i think maybe that's the pitcher that's named martinez and then but you keep seeing his jersey is clearly like collins or something (laughs) like it's a fully different last name and it's i mean i get it nobody thought you were going to be able to fucking watch these movies like we do now. But also, are you a perfectionist about your fucking movie? Like, don't don't you give a shit a little bit about like, what difference does it make if you get the VO guy to call him fucking Collins or so? Like somebody just catch that shit. (laughs) It's um, it's not Chris Lebanzon who worked with uh, Tony Scott a lot. And uh, he uh, won the Oscar for Top Gun. My uncle knows him. Um, but I know that like he was, you know, cause Scott was trying a lot of like this, this is early before he started doing like a lot of his overlap stuff, you know, cause he would just fucking go for it and you wouldn't even line up dialogue and shit. It would just be people's face and you'd hear their dialogue and you just kind of roll with it and get it because he's just like an artsy guy, like music video type guy. And so the problem with the sport, it w- he does it a little bit in the last Boy Scout. Is just that with sports, it just doesn't work. You need a little bit of like um, it can't be too abstract. It's yeah, like, we've context. Yeah, we've watched it geography. on TV, and we've watched it on TV so much. You know how it's covered, so you have an idea, and I think you can subvert that, and that's cool. But you also have to show that you understand what the structure is, and that it is important. Stank, even did you like, ever play baseball? Yeah, a little bit, but I sucked. I, I liked it, but I was just so so fucking horrible at it. I didn't get I didn't get any dexterity until like high school. It seemed like, and then you were already like deep into football. Yeah, and then that one I was able to kind of like um, be advanced just because of you know I had some good physical gifts, and so the fact that I was you know floundering you know with you know hand eye coordination before it didn't matter. There was no catch up time with you know with baseball. There's people that could outskill me. Like I could hit okay and run, but you know, just like fielding and all that shit. And I, I never had a good throw. And, my family uh, did not give a fuck about baseball. Neither and did I mine. Didn't, my dad I didn't give a shit until I was like, until I moved out of town and like started living with baseball fans. And like where it's like, oh, okay, I kind of get why people are into it. But I, I'm curious if you guys have this experience because like TBS plays so much into our like movie viewing habits as kids and like a lot of the movies we covered in this podcast i saw for the first time on tnt or tbs which is a turner network turner owned the braves and they would just show baseball all All the the fucking time time. and i would be so fucking mad because you know a movie wasn't coming on for three plus hours your parents are out you're stuck at home jack shit is on tv and the only thing on is a fucking Braves game, dude. And fucking then kill me. Ha, tell me, tell me how realistic this is. You keep forgetting it's on when you're clicking through trying to find oh, something. Yes, and you're like, oh, TBS. Let me check twenty five. Oh, it's a commercial. Okay, I'll wait to see what. Go- oh fuck! Right, it's baseball. What the fuck, man? And you get so mad. 
I, that shit drove me fucking crazy. Game's got to be over. Wait, TBS used to start everything at 05 and 35, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was such a weird specific. <laughs> that and was, I like, kind of got it because like, then it, I would be like, oh, wow, 05. And then you would start watching other networks. And the reality was they actually did start five minutes later after all the ads and shit. I think that was Turner being like, no, we're actually being straight with you folks. <laughs> I, I I think it works also too because then you throw it on at seven and you catch like the last few minutes of some other bullshit and you're like what mm. was that oh I should wow watch this that is next just thing. ending yeah. yeah yeah I told you guys the Shaq story where like Shaq met Turner and Turner's like you're a big boy aren't you you should join the army <laughs> <laughs> he had no idea he played basketball was like being courted by Turner Sports to like work the booth uh I want to read this book. Um, this guy, Jeff Perlman, like a sports journalist, he wrote the uh, Showtime Lakers, which was good, and uh, Walter Payton biography and some other ones. Didn't he he, did this... he write, wrote the Mets book, too. Yeah, right? that's the one I want to read. It's called The Bad Guys Won. The Bad Guys Won, colon, a season of brawling, boozing, bimbo chasing, and championship baseball with Straw, Doc, Mookie, Nails, The Kid, and the rest who might be the best ever to put on the New York uniform. So I know a lot of people who've read this book, and they all say it's great. Yeah. yeah. Permalance, did you guys read Showtime? You guys would like that. Know, yeah. yeah, I did. I'm sure I would like both these books. I yeah. downloaded it to listen to, but I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm on hour 55 of The Wheel of Time. <laughs> book halfway through book three. It's like every book is like 30-something hours. I'm back. I, I needed a nice uh, I was listening to a book about the fucking pandemic, which ooh, fucked me up. So I had to uh, get a nice Stephen King cleanse in there. And I'm going with uh, The Green Mile. Oh, yeah, it's good, ooh. right? It's good. It's also read by a pretty famous narrator. Uh, this guy who kind of like ruled the 90s uh, of narration. And he like not Frank. only did. Uh, yeah, it's um. Frank Mueller. Mueller. Yeah, he died in a motorcycle accident. He's yeah. awesome. So he was sort of the king of audiobooks pre the audiobook revolution where everything was digital and you could actually just have it in your phone instead of having a clamshell of 50 tapes in your car. <laughs> but like when you go through a lot of these older stories, like he's done some um, really good like Elmore Leonard stories and some Stephen King's. He's done like all the big kind of pulpy mass market paperback guys he he yeah he did a lot of king stuff he you guys should definitely i highly recommend going back and doing silence of the lambs with him reading it it's fucking awesome i hadn't read that book in you know 20 30 years maybe 30 years something yeah i crazy. read it as a kid too like when i was like 12 yeah. or 30, right after i saw the movie book it's the book's fucking awesome we know that. so good um but him reading it like he fucking nails it his hannibal lecter is so amazing because Harris describes Lecter as having a metallic rasp in his voice, and somehow Mueller like gets that. It's so fucking good. And even his agent Starling is good. And it, it was a great. Like I was on, I went to like a wedding in uh, Arkansas, and uh, I was just driving around there and all the you know f through all the flats, listening to that, and it was a great. I had a fucking blast. It was a great time. <laughs> I've been kind of breaking down how he does it a little bit, and I've noticed. Most people use their default voice for just the narrator of this reading the prose of the story. 
he uses a voice for the prose and goes more into his natural voice doing characters. And I think that does help him. Because then you're, yeah. it's easier to act in your natural voice, I would assume. So that's like a that's a. So he adds move. a little bit of gravitas when he's just r- between the fucking lines, if you will. And, Coffee um, knew that he was big and that he could. Yeah. He's kinda... <laughs> <laughs> he... Adds a lot. Adds a lot of question marks. Yeah, um, that aren't in the st- like. So he'll he'll go. It's like, um, Coffee knew he was big. <laughs> That that's an interesting book too to read all together because it was a novella. So you can hear him reset the book a few times mm. within the actual book that you're reading. Because if you're getting it like as a piecemeal as a novella, kind of you know you want to get brought back up to speed. But the resets, I think, if I remember correctly, it is. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that was part of it, and the um, and of course St- King has a uh, like a preface where he's like hello constant reader here's a weird story about the making of this book (laughs) did you ever do his um uh bazaar of bad dreams all the short stories it's awesome yeah that one's awesome because of the fucking chapters in between yeah where he breaks down why he you know how he came up with it and why he thought gabrus that's a fun one you should add in there just because uh what's called bazaar of nightmares B- bizarre of bad dreams of bad yeah. dreams oh, because so uh they're really short so you can do two or three some are and bad some are horrible but they're still good you know yeah. some, are horrible. <laughs> some yeah. are horrible they're still very fun to listen to but he does give a preface before each one of kind of like where these ideas came from <laughs> <laughs> that's really and funny. i am a sucker for all it puts me in such a good i don't know why because it's saying. not the case with everybody but his, I fucking love, and I and I'm, I guess I'm a fucking constant reader. I'm gonna be really sad when Stephen King. I know. I was just thinking that too, man. I was just thinking that too. Yeah, I, you're, you're gonna be sad that he dies, and then you're gonna be mad when every one of your friends who doesn't listen read half the Stephen King you do uh, posts about it. <laughs> yes. R.I.P. King. King. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bizarre world we live in now where people <laughs> will fucking give these tributes to dead people. And it's like Jean-Paul Jean- Belamondo is a good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where I like, was blown away by Wait, that. what the fuck? People like, no way you know who this guy is. <laughs> and if you do, it's from one movie or two movies that didn't change your life. You fucking liar. That that one that one bothered me big time. The one also, I played a young Ed Asner in like a, a digital series where he was playing like an ex, a guy who created something called Wrestle Stock, where it's like a Woodstock for wrestlers. <laughs> and then they flash back, and I'm playing a young Ed Asner with my friend Shapiro, who's playing a young Judd Hirsch. And I was like, this is so rad. My buddy sent me the picture of the two of us and the two of them. And I was like, oh, this is so dope. And I like write a Twitter post. And I was like, N- you know, blah, blah, blah. So, and then I was just like, what am I doing? I just <laughs> deleted it. I was like, I would hate myself about this. I don't care that strongly about Ed Asner, but I just always liked the fact that I played a young version of someone that cool. And you want to participate in the conversation, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, like, I would. Uh, that's a good story. I mean, it's a good it's, story. It's, it's, well, that's, that's what I mean. So that's what I mean the, this, is this that, is this yeah. is what sucks is the amount of kind of 
grandstanding. Yeah, bizarre praise. I mean, whatever the fucking bell tolls for the it's a human it's a human being who died and it sucks for everybody. I get it, but like it just makes your actual story feel cheap. Right. That, I was like, I have a genuine connection to the guy. And I was like, ah, forget it. What am I doing? I'm just going to be like another one of these fuckers posting a black and white photo of Bourdain. Gabriel sent, Gabriel sent us the photo and it does look pretty great. It's I cool. heard <laughs> s- somebody call it uh, grief poaching. Ooh. To Ooh, where it's I just like, like it. yeah, you just want to be involved in the, you don't really have a stake in it at all, but you're just Mm-mm. poaching somebody else's grief, you know, like, uh, you know, this hit me hard, you know, whatever it is and some person you like. It's just a lot of, bo- there's just very little authenticity in people's social media posts. Um, and so right. anybody <laughs> who values that or has a good bullshit detector, it will drive you crazy. And it is another reminder why social media is destructive and it may and it's been fucking proven to depress people and be terrible for society and the fucking yeah. the results are in it's bad and it it's, it's going to be the cause of the next civil war uh, uh I, and once the right wing becomes centaurs from their horse paste consumption we're fucked they'll be able to <laughs> dominate they'll have guns and horse legs we're fucked no worms <laughs> when, the, when the fucking horse zero worms the horse dewormer story was going around. It was kind of a small, like, Twitter, I thought, like, almost like a news of the weird. Like, yeah. I saw an article that was, like, a local Texas uh, article that had been retweeted that was, like, people are taking horse dewormer. Isn't this crazy? And I thought it would die out. And I texted these guys, and I was like, hey, we should do a cold open about uh, where we're all taking horse dewormer. And and then it became too big a story. It became no, too, you, too real. <laughs> too many that's people. That's true. But your your idea was funnier than that. It was us uh, offering our services and coming up with reasons as to why people would need horse dewormer. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, you hire us, and then we'll write, you know, your bullshit excuse for needing horse dewormer. When really you just want the ivermectin for like. But as a I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked that it like it didn't fade away, and it it like out it became too big a big a. Specific. Dude, it's gone so far around the circle that the argument is now like, hey, it's okay to take horse medicine. It's the same medicine. As it. And it's like, wait, wait, what? How are we arguing the fine points of like, you guys do ketamine? That's a horse drug. It's like, wait, wait. You use tail and mane shampoo. It's got a horse hey, on the bottle. Let me have what's mine. I'm dying of worms, pal. I played on the Dodgers. They were really out of ideas for that season. Stanger, why are you wearing a Dodgers hat, you phony? You're no fan. (laughs) Yes, Mr. Ed, I know we grew up together in Northern California, but I like them now. I live there now. I I was going to say, go ahead. Oh, he's just doing Mr. Ed's. Mouth. I was just doing the lips. Now I was just I was doing the lips on Zoom, and Stanger gave me the floor. <laughs> I I was gonna say an attempt to swing this back to the fan. Um, the stuff that I like about what Tony Scott can do is he's this is where he's kind of entering into his high contrast, deep saturation. Yeah, and, and so, I like the look of that stuff. Yeah, it looks fucking cool. I know there's a lot made of the the cuts. 
which, you know, <laughs> Rodgers is doing crazy. <laughs> it looks so real. With we game. have to actually react to Rodgers now because it's been too long of him doing it. Like, if we don't, we're becoming, like, legit He's, rude. <laughs> you're, you're, you're looking rubbery, though, how you're getting your mouth yeah, to really. You got some real Fire Marshal Bill shit going on there. <laughs> um, you're our next Jim Carrey. You're also a good painter. Something to think about. So there, there is like a kind of movie language and universe that Tony Scott can create. And I do like the way it looks. Tony and- Scott makes like, I don't know how to, this is going to sound so stupid, but that's what I bring. Like he makes <laughs> such movie movies. Like that's what I like about them, that there's like so much going on. It's so big and it just doesn't really land in this premise. Like it doesn't feel like he's like, I love the man on fire uh, yeah. remake that he did. That's like so fucking crazy. And like, feels like a fucking to- this this movie though i watch and i am passionate for every single choice the nero makes both as an actor and then i'll also say the gill character the choices they make he makes narratively i do not understand <laughs> he makes zero good choices in this movie he just keeps we just follow this guy and and because he's de niro you're like weirdly sympathetic to him for too oh, long. You, you're, you're, I'm with him the whole way through. When the fucking, I'm with when him until he's driving with the kid. Until he's driving with uh, Wesley dude, Snipes' kid. Right, I'm like, here's, this here's is thing, weird. Don't you? Don't you? I mean, you have to show him, and it's part of the story, and it makes sense. But isn't there a part of you that wishes Coop was never in the movie? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I that's say- such a funny conceit <laughs> when Coop shows. I would say yes, Rogers, except for when he gets the traumatic brain injury and he says, it was Little League. <laughs> yeah. It's such, they hold it's such a funny last line. <laughs> it was Little League. We were 12 years old. <laughs> it's such a fucking, it's so funny. His last Dude, words were, we were word. 12. <laughs> we were 12. It was Little League. That That is such a funny, like that's like a Harold third beat. Dumb, like, let's just end the show. Let's just pretend we were Little Leaguers the whole time. We're like ripping the rug out after all that. It's just so fucking funny. My favorite scene is De Niro in the car with his son when he kind of starts to lose it a little bit and yeah. just like calls the coach gay and like starts to like really like make the kid uncomfortable. That's when you appreciate having De Niro where it's like, this has got to be a weird scene to do where like you're making this little kid actor just uncomfortable yeah <laughs> and you're owning it and you're doing it when the kid the kid says uh you know uh jimmy iacani's dad says that mick jagger's gay he's like well, jimmy, jimmy iacani's dad, dad takes it up, it up the yes <laughs> pallegrini pallegrini jason pallegrini's dad <laughs> jason pallegrini's dad takes it up the ass uh that some of the stuff not exactly but some of the stuff with de niro and the kids reminded me being with my dad to where it's like just this kind of my dad was not obviously not as fucking psycho and and was a good dad but this kind of uncomfortable environment to where like the he's playing the music too loud like i'm seven and it's just like i'm ten like my dad's screaming the music and the fucking music's too loud same 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 (laughs) The, the most relatable thing was the, a dad blasting music, screaming about how good this song is and <laughs> memories he has about the song, and then screaming baseball or sports statistics yeah, sports, to you, and you're not and, even paying it. You don't and even yelling care. too much, and like you're just when you're like six, you just want like fucking treats at the game. Focus on the game, and just like somehow my dad has made this fun baseball game like <laughs> the fucking 
you know, roulette scene in Deer Hunter. Was your dad a big road rager? Yeah, huge. My, da- my dad c- commuted by car into and out of Manhattan, which is like legendarily like a disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was on off hours. But he would drive like, and he drove, my dad drove with two feet with his left foot on the brake and his right foot because he like, oh God. And it was just like, uh, uh, uh. we would go and he would floor it and slam the brakes and he would be screaming and he called people mud asses. He'd be like, this mud ass right here. And he would roll down his window and be like, fuck you. And me and my brothers are just like, in, there's like a five years where you go like, it's badass how much dad screams at other people on this road. And then there's like, like the rest of your life doing? where you're like, wait a minute. He does that to us at home. Uh, I've I've said it on the pod, so I won't do it again. But I've I've seen my dad physically assault somebody, chase them down, and fucking punch them through the car window. <laughs> Told it on the pod. He punched them into the meaty part of his shoulder and in his throat. And then when he came back to the car, he said, "Did you see that? I punched his shoulder and his throat so that I didn't leave any marks on his face in case he like tries to go to the cops." I was like six years old. Jesus Christ! I I watched my dad punch a guy in the face who uh, tried to tell us to put out a bonfire in Montauk in like 1992. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly my dad just what got up like. drunk screaming. The guy had a glass bottle in his hand. My dad's like, "I'll take that fucking bottle and break it over my own fuck," and then walked up and just slugged the dude. And we were all like, and then he comes back and like opens a Heineken and he's like all obviously like adrenaline dumped. He's like, Jesus Christ, people. Huh? And I was like, wait, you're he's the weirdo. That's yeah, so my dad's my... a different kind of psycho. <laughs> the um the one thing that this this captured also that I think everybody can relate to is the scene where he's at the game with his kid and yelling at the people, the guy behind him and the guy behind He's cre- the dude from Lost who's credited as yeah. man behind the man. Yeah. Um the and then the lady in the Stanford hat. The hit that shit who's, who's, who's at their house later. That shit was Spilled. so well done. Cause like we have all seen that happen. Oh yeah. Everyone has seen that happen who's gone to a professional sports game. Yeah. Yeah. Just two psychos find each other and uh, uh yeah. The screaming match ensues, fight sometimes ensues. Yeah, port port. Uh, a dozen $14 Miller lights on top of that fire. And you're fucking people are swinging. On and there's more now than ever, dude. Did you see that? Uh, the Suns guy, game. Oh, well, the Suns game thing is fucking crazy. He's like, so much fucking beef. <laughs> That's pa- post pandemic psycho shit. I, I thought it was a football game or maybe it was, I'm not sure, but a woman punches this like giant dude with dreadlocks who's like standing in front of her. And he's like, are you serious? And like shoves her. She's screaming at him. She swings at him. He shoves her to the ground. Her boyfriend goes to like or her a guy who's sitting next to her goes to get involved. And the dude just turns and decks him, too. And then God. security comes over and grabs the giant black guy, not the couple. And all you just hear so much off camera. She started it. She swung first from like everyone in the section who clearly hated that couple who were probably drunk instigators the whole time. It's yeah, it's it's. Uh fucking unreal man i i remember i think i've told this on the pod before but my the first cal game i went to as a spectator they invite you to go watch the games before you take your visit and stuff there was a guy who played pro ball who was a total psycho named jeremy newberry and he was like kind of a star lineman at the time and he was playing and somebody that was was kind of showing me around and you know sitting with me said hey that's jeremy newberry's dad right there and jeremy newberry's dad was huge like him and was wearing a neck brace 
and like fucking drinking and screaming and his face is all red. And that I remember face. so funny. Yeah, I remember <laughs> kind of it's a it's a funny specific kind of like looking around up into the stands. And then I looked back and his dad at that point had jumped and jumped and launched himself down <laughs> the stadium <laughs> stairs and was like fighting somebody. <laughs> And they're like, he gets in a fight every single game, you know, <laughs> this like his psycho son, the psycho dad. It was like the O'Doul's, you know, family from fucking Billy Madison. All right. It's game time. Let's fucking uh, let's sing the national anthem for baseball. Yeah. Sing the national anthem. <laughs> Aaron Neville. <laughs> oh, say, you see. Kevin, maybe we can get Kevin to put up, put a fucking little snippet of that, or maybe that's not worth it. We'll get uh, this the answer is both. Down. Maybe he'll do it, and also it's not worth it. Both. It's not worth it unless you can see the leather jacket and that leather cowboy hat. What so proudly we at the twilight less gleaming and the home of the Stanger Gorgon. Oh, yo. Hell yeah. What's, it's what's up, been Gorgon? too long. Yeah, Guys, sports timber, Stanger Gorgon. Gorg timber? I know it. Gorg, no, I... Gorg timber. Are you having Gorg timber? This what? is Gorg Timber? No, is no. That what you... I mean, we're celebrating Sports Timber, which is a different word and a different holiday. It's why I'm here for Gorg Timber. I'm here, dudes. That this okay. makes more sense why you sent a, a, an erect dick pic because Does I, it? I, no, because I was reading it as Gorge Timber. I'm sorry. Now it makes less sense because I was like, oh, he's engorged. Now you're telling mm. me it's Gorg Timber. Gorg Timber, and that's dude. You wish that was erect, dude. What? That wasn't? It was so red and straight. It's fucking... It's perpendicular to you, your body. You accusing me of chubbing up before that photo? <laughs> no, well, it looks I'm like you've got <laughs> some sort of, like, sickness. Like, it doesn't look like a healthy erect. Ooh, yeah, ah, looks... ooh, ah, <laughs> your dick looks like Stallone's elbow. It ooh, seems ah, so dangerous. Are you down with it? Ooh, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Set that to, like... That and Bodies Hit the Floor is like every rugby Ooh, big ah. hits video on YouTube. We used to watch them. Dude, that's the best the best uh, fucking Halloween uh, hayride I ever went on. It's like you go through all these fucking um, little scenes. And they're all from kind of like different genres of horror films. And then the last one is like... Dun, dun, dun. Merry Christmas. It's all Christmassy. And it's like, oh shit, I guess this is the end. It's like, yeah, Christmas is over or fucking Halloween's over now. It's time for the holidays. And it's like, and then it goes, ooh, ah! And it goes, Merry Christmas, bitches. Ooh, ah! And then like it fucking goes black and all these fucking like scary guys come out and start spraying like foam bullshit on you and stuff. Fucking rolled. I love it. I love it. All right, Gorgon. Oh, yeah, hey, Gorgon. Just, Gorgon. To be, just to be clear, I'll say the movie, but that photo in no way was my erect penis. And in no way did it was I using an air bladder a la Larry Flint that I inflated, you know, manually with a little Reebok pump thing to pump up. 
I saw the little tennis ball at the base. I didn't the know snap what that was. was. No, it was my erect. It was my flaccid penis, not my okay. artificially erect penis. This is Mandalay. I saw TriStar. Uh, so, you know, it's a Sony Pictures affair, really. TriStar was the big one, though. We're I talking go, tigers do- and pegasus. Oh, you my. get the tiger. You get the flying horse. You feel good. Gork temper. Bye. And who would have thought we'd have another movie with a poem in it? <laughs> so close to Superman. I mean, we called it out as being a crazy anomaly. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, is this the third poem we've had? Yeah. What is was there it? two poems in this movie, though? King two? of New York? King of New York? No, there was another one that had one where I was like, that's kind of weird. We got another movie with a poem. Gorg Timber, more like Poem Timber. What did we do for Shadow Wolves last month? Uh, no weird idea. science. No idea. Weird science. <laughs> there couldn't have been a poem in that. I mean, that whole movie's a poem. It is. <laughs> Excited and anxious, I await my dream to escape, applaud, and embrace my team. And then you're like, oh, okay, it's a nice little poem. And then five minutes later, you're like, okay, this is a serious poem. Yeah. This is yeah. going on. This is like a lot. Like, I started writing it down, and then I'm like, oh, wait, this is a long-ass poem. It did kind of remind me of Jake LaMotta, like him doing Raging Bull, like uh, when he's stand up on yeah, the waterfront like and all yeah. that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Jake LaMotta's like MC. Yeah, his like one man show or whatever he was his doing. His fucking one liners and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Is this, this poem just must be from the book or something, right? Because it's a, it's specific to the movie. One I'm last more break. entranced than the average fan. I used to play, you see, and I know I still can. The, I mean, it's got to be a real poem. Some fan will look it up. Some fucking psycho fan of ours. I, I was thinking it was a real poem, like, you know, one of those, like, Casey at the bat or whatever type things that, you know, like the baseball freaks wrote. But um, it's so specific to the movie. Mm-hmm. If, if they found this, it's, like, fucking great because he talks about, unless that was kind of a basis for the, for the book or the screenplay a little bit. Briefly, my troubles get lost in the haze. I'm the grace from the field arouses the crowd, reflects on the days when I was quite proud. I'm more entranced than the average fan. I used to play, you see, and I know I still can. And I know I, I just found can. it. I just tried to find out who, if it's a real poem, and I'm on diamondhoggers.com, a poem from the fan. <laughs> it's saying from the fan? Yeah, but it's not. Opening day, I always can trust. It's just for this high that I crazily lust. Return of our hero does brighten the days. Just briefly, my troubles get lost in the haze. The grace from the field arouses the crowd, reflects on the days when I was quite proud. It goes on for too fucking long. I mean, that's that's a good chunk of it. The, um... Then, then we get the fucking stones, shots of San Fran, and we see De Niro is playing a guy named Gil, and he's in a van that's decked out in San Francisco Giants shit, and he's yes. calling Ellen Barkin's Jewel. She runs a radio show, and it's done at a rapid music video pacing and speed, and the dialogue is good. The line, it, it, I mean, all the guys who wrote it, it's fucking punchy. It's been punched up. Like the lines are clear and like it's efficient. If anything, it's too fucking fast and too chopped up for me. 
Yeah, the the lines it's like good on a micro level, but on a macro level, like the narrative, like the narrative and pacing is like. Well, and it's also because it's baseball. I mean, the medium has to fit the sport. You got with baseball, you just got to like hang in there with it, and that's why I like stuff like the natural plays so good. And, the natural uh, field of dreams, field of dreams. Fucking even Mister Baseball is fucking like. <laughs> It's a picturesque. I mean, it's the landscape of the fucking yeah. field. Um, For love can't... of the game, Basil P- Polidaris mythically reuniting with uh, Costner after their spat. Trouble with the curve. Trouble with the curve. <laughs> the rookie. What was the shit? What was the one that um, Ham did? Where the, oh, like, oh, yeah. Million Dollar like Arm. Cricket. Yeah, Million yeah, Dollar dude. Arm. I cried on the plane watching that movie. I was so... I was. It got me so hard. It was so bad, and it got me so the other thing is bad. Baseball, I think, really lends itself to comedy really well. Like yes. Major League. Um, yeah, the, locker the, room the fucking, hijinks. Locker room hijinks. The, all the baseball shit in Naked Gun is so fucking funny. Yeah, and it, it's because you could see you see all their faces. There is a lot of downtime where you could have scenes of people talking, and it's justified in the sport. Like it, it works. So we had uh, NFL kickoff. Um, it's now a few weeks after, like once this is released, but it just happened, and there was a ref in this game. I sent a couple pictures <laughs> to these guys. He was, uh, fucking what's his name, Frank. Like Enrico Palazzo level. (laughs) Who who did this guy knock out and just replace? He's doing Mr. Bean big facial expressions and like walking away from guys talking shit and being like, oh boy. And at one point he left his mic on a little too long. He's like, so we got a taunting and I don't know. I think we should probably just call. And then he cuts his mic off. (laughs) And Chris Collinsworth is like, Oh God! He should probably cut his mic off. <laughs> so I screamed. It's Enrico Palazzo in the third act of this movie when De Niro's got the God. Yes, he's got the, mascot. the um, I'm like, it's Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> what's his plan there? We'll 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 get to it. But uh, I'll, I what's say, his plan in so many steps? I I love it. Uh, million dollar arm. I fu- I read that screenplay when I was writing coverage at Mayhem for Disney. And I fuck, I was like, this is a winner, dude. This is so fucking good. <laughs> it's based on a true story. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was fuck the, the screenplay. And then like the whole pitch was fucking awesome for that. I was like, this is, you guys have if to. If only it had a little bit of the energy this had. Yeah. You know, if only yeah. they could steal like. It was too Disney. Yeah, it was too, like, this is like too much. Yeah. And that's not enough. <laughs> yeah. Right. We need the Goldilocks baseball movie. This is it's this movie stresses me out as someone who just has an aggressive dad. Like my dad wasn't as bad as Gil. But like when he's like trying to get him to play baseball with him, I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Dude, I love the fucking knives. So the big news is <laughs> Bobby Rayburn. Dude, I love the fucking knives is like uh, the fucking pull quote of this entire podcast. Isn't it so fucking perfect, though? Like, he's a knife, like, giving the kids knives, like, all the kids being like, fuck yeah, I'll take a knife. It's so real. We all connected over this one, too, because we were like, Rogers is talking about fun movies to do for sports, Timber. And then you said the fan, and then all of us were like, 
De Niro as the knife salesman, like in unison. <laughs> it's just such a funny, and it's such it's so it's just funny. shoehorned into the movie in a way. Like, and it's so, and then it's a huge plot point. And you're like, oh, I love this. So, like we said, Wesley Snipes, Bobby Rayburn, uh, is finally in San Francisco, his hometown. Hometown hero has returned. He was in the Braves. He fucking was hitting incredibly well. Yeah, he hit like three eighteen the season prior or something. He got in just he got in the day before. Was able to switch the lights on his Hummer to Giants lights so that he could fit in in San Francisco. And blow. He's where is he driving to? They got they got De Niro on the phone, and he's a super fan, and they're all like having good fun, having this guy who's like such a cheerleader for the team. And they're like, "Hey, we should get this guy connected to Bobby Rayburn." He's like, "You're gonna get Bobby on the phone?" Yeah, hold on. So they got Jack Black in the booth working the phones, and he would also be in Enemy of the State as well. Similar he impresses part. Tony, yeah. yeah. And he does he does nail his one line. It's, it's like, great. Yeah, he they can't real. get him on the line. They're like, who does this guy think he is? And Jack Black gives a quick uh, three-time National League MVP. Yeah. <laughs> Exposition, but it works. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets him on the phone, like the way he does it is all, you know, he's 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 a good physical actor. And then Bobby's in the Hummer. Uh so we get all these we get KNBR 68 studio somewhere in San Francisco. We got Gil in his van, and then we also got Bobby in his Hummer, who's also who has his manager Manny in the passenger seat with him. Yeah, it's Jewel Stern, Ellen Barkin, and Bernie Kurt Fuller as the the two radio personalities. And of course, her last name is Stern in this. Yeah, yeah. and she's like asks weird, uh, asks the hard questions, and has the weird conversations about you do jizz is the baseball and stuff like that. Have you ever done anal? You ever done anal? The ejaculate. (laughs) It's I tried it once. Clear. It made me feel like I had to poop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't that remember Hil- that. That was Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Did I it once. Think- it was the night of Benghazi. I regretted it ever since. <laughs> I do get why these actors are like, I'm not going to fucking talk about that shit. Because like that answer is burned in my memory. <laughs> and and who, who said that? was it? It was actually, oddly enough, it was an actor from Star Trek, Deep Space Nine. (laughs) (laughs) Not that deep. Stern loves Star Trek. Deep Space Three, please. I have to poop. (laughs) It was an actor. uh, Her name's Terry Farrell. She was also in um, that show with Ted Danson called um, Becker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She basically left Star Trek because, like, she was being sexually harassed and then and was like fuck this and landed on her feet and another seven year running sitcom she got probably a much easier job where she didn't have to put on like alien dots and shit she's uncredited in the bonfire of the vanity she's one of the party goers she's one of the social x-rays social x-rays Party guest listening to Aubrey Buffing is how she's labeled on this in the sauna oh the uh, opera singer or no, no, the poem, the guy that's doing the poem, the uh, poet, yeah. I More tried poems. it once and made me feel like I had to go. Is that the poem movie you were thinking of? There's yeah. a poem in that one. Um, I remember Dave I mean, Navarro. I mean, was the and... movie we did in Pogist? Oh, yeah, it could have been Pogist. <laughs> <laughs> the Edgar Allan Poe one, because he was a poet as well. Yeah, and Stallone <laughs> was obsessed. I mean, it got yeah, all, us all into it. Wrote an amazing screenplay on it. 
I am. I'm Ra- glad it's called you guys, The Raven. I'm glad you guys finally uh, reading my stuff about Edgar Allan Poe. You know, I was going to play him, but then uh, I decided I should play him. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., did you read all that stuff? He's going to have Downey Jr. play him? <laughs> well, we, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I still think I could. It, what if he didn't die? Oh, he's still got, alive? What if he's still alive and he was 70 years old? Yeah. Okay, I could see that. I'd go see that. And what if he was a fighter? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, you know, the Ravens help him out. And, uh, <laughs> they help him hunt guys. You guys hear that heartbeat? Can anyone else hear that heartbeat? Oh, that's me. <laughs> I got to go to the hospital. I can see my heartbeat in my arm. <laughs> Quote I the Raven. My neck. Quote the Raven, nothing is over. Uh, I, Dave Navarro and Carmen Electra were on there, and she was talking about she did like some butt stuff to him, and they were, you know, sharing that. And then uh, Fred kept playing like <laughs> for, for like 20 minutes into the interview, <laughs> whenever like Navarro would try to talk, and finally it's just like, all right, can we stop with the fucking fart sounds and shit? <laughs> Quote the Raven, I'm scared. <laughs> Quote the Raven, I got you, I got the kid. <laughs> Quote the Raven, in Vietnam, I was given $3 million machines. <laughs> I've been thinking about the machine. <laughs> Quote the Raven, bad humor, I know. Movies are pretty scary. What do you want me to say? I'm afraid. Ravens have been around since. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, so, Jewel uh, fucking needles Bobby right off the bat. Bobby, do you think you're worth 40 million simoleons? And and Bobby kind of like gives her gives it back to her. That away, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby says some like fucking textbook shit of like the fans. What it's all about? They get Gil on the air. Um, Jewel, why you gotta be all negative all the time? I'm no schmuck. I used to play. He's a magical conjunction. And then she's like, uh, Bobby, let's talk about your divorce. And then he hangs up. He's like, no fucking way. And I do like the um, the repetition in the studio. They're like, conjunction? They're quoting Gil. <laughs> Snipes is so fucking good. And he looks amazing. He's perfect for this. And, and like, he really, I mean, he just really feels like a superstar athlete. Like, he pulls it off. His swing is pretty weak. But I would love to talk to Krunk about um, or fucking Crook. Yeah, John yeah. Crook, uh, who's a hilariously surly, overweight baseball player, once <laughs> played by Chris Farley in uh, a great uh, Weekend Update segment where he, <laughs> he, he was there to talk about the World Series. And I think it was Kevin Nealon was like, um, is the game happening right now? <laughs> and Farley's like, oh, oh. Oh, like he forgot about the game. He's like there to talk. It's like, I thought that game was in Toronto this weekend. He's like, it is. 
Ah. <laughs> <laughs> But Crook was like uh, according OG to the mullet beard guy too, like uh, OG. He had a like, great look. I mean, he was great for baseball. Look. Yeah. Um, because there are really, other than linemen, there's no fat guys in sports anymore. And even linemen are like, you just got to be in such good fucking shape. Yeah. Like, and it's everything. You just got to be. You you got to have a team of people, and if you're not, you're gonna get the level of competition is so fucking high. I'm super into Formula One racing now. Um, after watching Drive to Survive, I watched the pilot. Yet uh, off your recommend, I watched the first episode of season one. I'm I was so in. I care about everyone for some. I'm reason. like watching the fuck. I'm like getting up early and watching the fucking races and stuff. But there's this one race car driver, this guy Botas, who um, just like in the off season entered a bike race, like a, a massive bike, and came in second. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> And it's just like, yeah, they're, I mean, even that, even being a fucking driver, you got to be just like, have a little bit of that freakness. But he looks the part. So anyway, Crook was like, Wesley Snipes couldn't hit for shit. It's like, yeah, who cares? He looks like a fucking athlete. That's all that matters is the fucking actors. You can't act for shit. He's not, you don't hear him saying that to people. Just relax, bro. Crook probably can't act. There's a few shots where they have his full swing in there and they should have cut around him a little better. But he looks amazing when he's running and in the gear and all that stuff. Like, he's perfect. You couldn't cast it better. So then we do kind of some quick cutting between Bobby showing up at Candlestick Park for his first day of training and taking taking pitches and um, the media's all over the fucking place. And then we cut also to Gil in a conference room business meeting. <laughs> you know what? You know what I noticed is specifically in this scene here. Tony Scott's movies age really well. Like this looks this still looks good now. Like the mm. way Snipes look and like his sunglasses and all that stuff. It doesn't look like what is this? Ninety six. It doesn't look dated at all. He did this it, yeah. movie instead of The Rock, according to the sauna, and it is it does make you grind your teeth a little bit of like he would have yeah. done such a fucking better job with The Rock. And there is this weird crossover of like it's San Francisco, so it's San Francisco, it's Hummers, it's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just borrowing Bobby Rayburn's Humvee. <laughs> I can't get uh, I can't get the. I'm Simpsons a giant character. super fan. <laughs> Uh, Bobby was the home run hitter. Uh, I can't get past Gil from the Simpsons. Who's like also the, a salesman. Who's like the terrible salesman. Who's like, Oh, Gil, Jesus. Why can't Gil, you, you done your... it again? <laughs> You're going to want to get uh, rust proofing. These Calicos will rust up on you. Jesus, Gil, you did it again. You had it, you had it and you blew it. <laughs> He's like the most depressing. God, character. he was such a great, he was, he was the, they're like them bouncing back from Phil Hartman. Right. Phil Hartman died and took like so many great side characters out of the rotation for the Simpsons. And Gil was like their first victory. Like he was the, a much needed win after Phil Hartman died, which was such a, a blow to that show. Oh God. He like, I yeah. still like, I talk about Lionel Hutz all the time. We just had oh, a yeah. meeting. I brought up Lionel Hutz. Yeah. I, he's the, one of the best characters in a, a, any show ever. <laughs> Troy McClure is... Uh, Troy McClure 
It's such a big part of my life. Same with me. I say, I'll say it to myself. The Lionel Hutz thing where he's talking about how he kind of ran over that judge's dog. And they're like, what? And really? replaced kind of with multiple times. Yeah. And replaced dog with, with son. son. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that run is so fucking good. It's so good. Oh, my God. The smoking monkey. Get your very own smoking monkey. They really smoke. I watched Matlock in a bar last night. The sound was out, but I think I got the gist of it. <laughs> I was going to say that Gil character reminded me of the the real sad sack character Duck from Mad Men, the guy that's a fucking drunk that like, oh, yeah. takes a shit oh, that, like, in the office. His pants. <laughs> yeah. Not the guy that pisses his pants, the guy that keeps coming back and trying to hire the, you know, hire that he ends up working as a headhunter. Yeah. And uh yeah, and he's so... he like goes into fucking recovery and shit. Yeah. So Gil has this boss who's a little too young to be playing this part when he says he's like, I knew your father. I think like it was written for somebody <laughs> older than this. Yeah, Nero, De Niro looks older than this yeah, guy. Yeah, it's another thing where it's like you could have made some changes and made this like logically line up. Because this is but... it's Garrity and Renard. And this guy is Garrity. Conceivable. And I mean, he's I... Renard. And his dad Gil's, was Renard. Gil's dad was Renard. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it should be Garrity's dad, but he doesn't say that. He's like, your father was a friend, but yeah. he's younger than De Niro, I think. Yeah, it should be like Garrity's son. It's like, yeah. hey, we've known each other our whole lives. Our father started this company. That's all you fucking need. Yeah. Um, or just get rid of the line completely. Don't have him know his dad. You wouldn't even, like, because he says that line. You're like, wait, how old, how old is this guy? Also, it's really sad that if, like, your dad ran the company and you're still only a salesman and, like, 10 years after he's dead or whatever. Hmm. I mean, it's kind of right for Gil. If it no, it's right work. for Gil. Yes, it works. <laughs> just so, so the boss gives Gil a knife and is like, hey, tell us about this knife. And Gil, like, says um, the complete wrong thing. He's like, it's not very well made. Um, you know, Hilt is bad. It says all the wrong shit. Too thin. And. Meanwhile, Bobby wanted number 11. That's his number, his lucky number, and he can't get it because Primo, the second best player after, below him, he's got number 11. How does he not know that? Like, that's such a funny reveal that he gets the wrong number when he gets to his locker because you're yes. like, you already have to move the guy in the position. Like, we, they're setting up so much drama between him and Primo. That it's fucking crazy when he's like, wait, Primo wears 11? It's like, you would you have to know that. Like Russell Westbrook wears zero, and um, and then he started wearing three, and people were like, "Oh, maybe he'll go back to zero uh, now that he's he got traded to the Lakers." Uh, but this other guy's got zero, and then they got rid of him, and it's like, "Okay, well now zero's available." And he's like, "Actually, zero was a secondary thing. My favorite number was three, but it was just always taken, so I just wound up being zero on all these teams." <laughs> It's like, oh, okay, we were all wrong, all of us talking out of our fucking asses. I just remembered that Bobby Rayburn puts up a picture, and it says dad. So you know that it's... You know it's his dad with the... It's written in hand! It's his dad with an arrow. Do you remember how fucking exciting it was when uh, Jordan went back from 45 to 23? Yeah. And then started playing amazing again? Dude, that was the only thing where, uh, like, time where I got it, and I was like, yeah, 45 sucks. Yeah. 45 is the shit. And the the shit he has done with 23, that that has become, like, 
I never got that. I was always like, find your own fucking magic number. Like, um, 23 is the last number I would want to be. Because it's like, it's been tapped. But still, people are like, I'm fucking 23. That's like across all sports. Yeah. Yeah. It's Jordan. Like, it's just, it's just, and solely because of one man. It's awesome. And it's also, but the fact that it has survived a generation is what is is crazy to me because to me when i'm a kid and they're showing sports footage of let's say um dr j dr j or terry bradshaw oh yeah that shit might as well be 300 years ago you know (laughs) I, i i have no memory of it the footage looks shitty i get that he's like at the time in let's say fucking 1988 he's in the conversation as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time him in montana probably right four super bowls yeah so like he's in legendary company but like and i'm not born that much after he's played but still to me it's like that's so fucking long ago the fact that jordan who is now we're multiple generations of players after his retirement, <laughs> born after his retirement, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's still... He's, st- he's still got that fucking power. It's crazy. Yeah, I think it's a combination of what an outlier he was and then also how much better the technology was at recording the highlights, you know? And then just... And then how good he was at branding. Because it's like, you look at like... I would see Bradshaw and I was like, God, he looks like fucking Quato, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like there's some, yeah. he's, he's like got something. that James Carville energy and <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I, I, I think also basketball has like, uh, a lot of points scored and every, like, and if Jordan is scoring 40, 40 to 50 points a game, that's like 20 to 25 shots or dunks you can pull from, from every game. You can easily build a no, highlight. It's that game, but there's too. still Gabriel. I mean, it's like when I, I didn't watch the footage of the old timers, you know, the guys that yeah. were 20, well, 10 Chamberlain, like, he, there just wasn't coverage of him. He didn't have that fucking... And he's still, arguably, f- the far and away the greatest basketball player who ever lived. And he is not in the conversation just because, like, the media wasn't there. He scored yeah. 100 fucking points in a game. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's that's like insane. fucking Yeah, that's like fucking NBA Jam level shit. Where do you go from there? You got to go I mean, fuck a thousand women yeah. <laughs> and then you get to be in Conan. Like, yeah. like that is the only way to heighten a hundred point game. Yeah. Do a movie with Arnold and, you know, fuck 500 women. Do a movie with Arnold, make them look tiny and fuck everybody. Get mad if anybody tries to pay for anything because you're such a fucking alpha. Bombata so picks C- up the check. The CEO, <laughs> the CEO grabs the knife from Gil, who like just like fucking mumbled about how shitty the knives were, and he goes, "Me? I think this knife's an ass kicker." Then he pulls out a fucking door from under the, the a car door that's hidden underneath the boardroom table, throws it on the table, starts stabbing the shit out of it. The scream really made it for me. He does like a primal scream while he's doing it. I mean, it might be eighty yard in or something, but it's it's fucking... like it's it might be Wilheim, but he's doing like he he stabs that door like twenty times. That's fucking crazy. 
And so then Gil, later course, he will fire Gil for, Gil, you can't act like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever. It's like, well, can you act like that? In yeah, you were, you were pretty fucking <laughs> You were crazier man. than I've ever been. I was doing my crazy shit in my own privacy to my son and the public. Clients. <laughs> the fucking so shaving the, his... Oh, okay. So he wants... He wants uh, season tickets because that's what he uses to bribe some of these clients and, pro- and use himself. And the boss is like, hey, man, you're lucky you have a job. I had to do a lot of convincing to get you here. Like, he basically gives him an ultimatum of like, you have till the end of the month. There's not going to be any fucking baseball tickets, man. We know he has to close. He has to reclose McKinley and Everest, their biggest account. But all that stuff is kind of like, again, one of the issues with this movie, they they say, so the, the boss says, like, just close McKinley and Everest. It's our biggest account. We never, like, kind of know, like, that, okay, this guy is McKinley and Everest. Right. Is it the guy who's watching the security footage? No, it's the guy. I thought it was the guy who um who isn't around. I mean, because that's oh. the one he leaves the game. That would oh. make the most sense to me. But even Gabrus, you bring up a good point. It, like it kind of could be any of these. Like, well, that's where you figure out that he's getting job the whole time. That because the guy doesn't even show up for the meeting, they sent somebody else there, and the guy used the tickets because right. Well, Mc- we'll get into it. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, the press conference um, that um, Rayburn is is doing, he uh takes a photo with Primo and like, they seem to be okay. Oh, Hal Sparks ask a question. <laughs> yeah. Queer as fuck. We get a, we get a Hal Sparks. Uh, that, that, that was him, right? Or it was the dude who used to host, um, blind date. Oh, did you guys ever watch that? Yeah. Hal Sparks was a VH1 talking head. I remember that. Oh, this was his, he did. He no, did this talk was Raj too. Lodge, Roger Lodge. Oh, wow. that's who it was. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even pick that up. Raj Lodge. <laughs> I, that was always such a. It's like, hi, I'm Roger Lodge. Welcome to Blind Date. Yeah, I guess he, <laughs> guess he's gonna be sleeping alone tonight. I definitely I watched love Blind that show. Date. You guys watch Shipmates? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I watched Shipmates. I loved Blind Date. I used to love the fucking like pop up video. Like, dude's about to ruin his life in three, two, one. He's like, yeah. sometimes I get diarrhea in a hot tub. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> But I was I was watching it for comedy and for pure horniness as well. Oh, dude, I, I was so yeah. horny, and it was just like just imagining myself dating. Like I wanted to get on singled out, you know. I oh, dude, to... I was so obsessed with Jenny McCarthy, and I was like, dude, fifty chicks. Like I just wanted to be on that show so <laughs> fucking. I was like, I miss it by like ten years. Like I was yeah. way too young, but yeah. I was so fuck. I Stanger, you just saying I just wanted to be dating is like the realest shit ever. I just watched so many movies where it's like the premise was like, I got to get a girl that it just activated me in such a way. And you would watch these movies and be like, God, I would fucking kill to have a girlfriend like this. Or Yeah, kill. <laughs> and so the dating shows were like a natural fit. I'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, I put myself there and how would I do? And you know, Yeah, and I constantly ranking women God, in like the worst way so of like the brunette from the last episode was hotter. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. <I> <laughs> she she would have liked me. I would have fucking crushed third, it. Fifth wheel. Yeah. Next. There was some eliminate. Next. Next. <laughs> eliminate. We brought up <laughs> singled out earlier. Singled out. Fucking Ugh. Jenny McCarthy. I, obsessed. Picking with her, her nose I, and shit. 
That's what I thought was so hot at the time. I was like, she has I'm huge so tits. <laughs> and she like puts her ass on people. I was like, I farted. And I was like, she's a dream girl. <laughs> Chris Hardwick, too. I thought they were both so funny. And uh, so <laughs> Carmen Electra replaced Jewel her. wants a, uh, an interview with uh, with Bobby and his begging Manny. And Manny, they have some a, good, a couple of good lines of like, he'd rather nail his penis to a burning building. Because she's such a fucking hard hitting reporter, a ball he buster. Want to do it, a ball buster, a fucking um, the quintessential ball buster. So he, he he always like does some kind of some variation, yeah, of, vocab like, word and then of, like taking ripping a dick off, yeah, um, castrating, all all sorts of stuff like that. Um, Gil, we we go with Gil to try to sell some knives, and it's a montage of. De Niro selling and it's good and this is where I'm like I, want, I would happily see more of this big motherfucker small motherfucker <laughs> shaving his arms and stuff he's shaving his arms he's like he's he's like any more of these uh any more of these demos I'm gonna have to start shaving my legs then you see him shaving his legs and he's like any more of these demos I'm gonna have to start shaving my ass I thought that was a pretty good joke He's hustling and do, trying to get something going because he's in danger. But it's so fun to watch him and his tactic in each moment is sort of off-putting and repulsive. It's like, And he sucks and he's making a lot of bad jokes. Like, yes, and he's like cursing and it is knives too, which is just sort of like, dude, relax. Yeah, knives are aggressive. He's swearing a lot, which is also like <laughs> yeah. kind of puts your hairs up in a professional setting. And he's got he's just, knife puns. Yeah, and the knife pile of arms. The pile of arm hair on the counter, I'd be like, get the fuck Dude, out of it's here. It's also like <laughs> so clearly somebody else's arm. It's like a redhead. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a dude with the hairiest fucking <laughs> arm and hands, and then they like, and then they go wide to to De Niro, and it's like, yeah, that's somebody else's arm. Do you think that if um if Under Siege had come out, that he would have maybe done better? Like if they had seen the famous knife fight in Under Siege. Yeah, he could have been like, and then you could put it right in the top of Tommy Lee Jones's head. He could have kept saying that to people. <laughs> have you seen Under Siege? <laughs> I mean, we're all making a joke, but I think, I mean, that's like right I mean, away. This that's movie was you. way ahead of the trend of QVC knife salesmen. Yeah. Yeah. And Which then, became a major thing. Maybe even like, and then I mean, Cutco is like the popular mm. like scam one, right? That yeah, we had to buy a bunch from my niece. Marketing, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like trying to get a trip to Cancun or something, so we had to buy a bunch of worthless knives from her. No one would. This would matter to no one, but my childhood best friend uh, did Cutco knives, and it's the most on game thing for who he is. <laughs> like, I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to go into too much detail, but he literally, I was like, once we like learned what the job was, I was like, of course you had this job, you fucking idiot. Welfare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you guys know who Danny Buns is? No. Is this another one of your favorite male porn stars? Uh, no. It'd be great, though, if he was. Um, he, uh, he was like an NFLer. He played for the Niners, and he's in North Dallas 40. His It looks like it's his hair that uh, got shaved off. Like He's like a big kind of like... <laughs> Blonde, redhead, <laughs> freckly type guy. Dan Buns. Dan Buns. Uh, he was also was a substitute teacher at my school for a while. Oh, it's Dan Buns. Dan Buns, yeah, sorry. Okay, now I know who he is. 
Yeah, look up Dan Buns. Bobby watching, uh, or fucking Gil watching. It's so confusing having De Niro, Bobby De Niro, like a saying, Bobby! I I could not get over that in this movie. I'm like, he he could have any name. Wesley Snipes can be named anything. (laughs) People must um, say that to him all the time, right? Which is why he must have dug into saying his name. Like, people must say his name like that. Bobby! That's probably how this neighborhood guys like scream his name. Poetry we told the motion, the Robin Williams story of him with that uh, when they were shooting Awakenings. Awakenings, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till we do that movie for Shadow Wolves. He there, there was just some tr- like transient homeless African American bum. They were doing like a, a drive by, and they ha- kept having to do multiple takes where they were just driving around some building, and it was wherever they were filming that in like Chicago or some shit, and so. They're doing it multiple times, and this guy, you know, is kind of just out of it. And then he's able to kind of peer into the car, and he recognizes De Niro in the car. And so, like, they're pulling around again, and they go by the guy, and De Niro is sitting there with Williams, and they just hear the guy yell, Hey, yo, Bobby, you still liking that black pussy? (laughs) (laughs) And Robin Williams would imitate it all the time to him. No way, Robert De Niro... uh, Robin Williams would take a crack at a black voice every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, it's his story I'm telling. I heard it like on some interview, but I was, thought it was a good story. It's a great story. So Gil buys some some tickets from a scalper. You don't even care about the game. Disgusted at these guys. M- meanwhile, uh, Manny tells Bobby that um, after the game, he's going to do some hospital s- stuff and... Uh, it's like, maybe bring a bat for the sick kid. It's like, all right. So Gil uh, starts a, a watch to, like, start selling this guy. This is probably the best sales scene in the movie. He's in the, like, I don't know, the top floor of a sporting goods store, it looks like, um, where they got the windows where you can look down at the store. And this guy's got... Uh, security camera displays also all set up where he um he uh he's just glued to these video cameras that are showing like women with big cleavage yeah. <laughs> shopping around the store and he's like a gross pervert and um nothing de niro is saying is helping this guy and like literally striking out everywhere and i really like the he has this little joke where he's like, do you have a little pecker? And he keeps these little novelty tiny knives to hand out. And the guy's like, yeah, I have one. And, and it's also on has yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the guy who's like, I don't know. And then like the moment that you start to like distance yourself from De Niro, because I still feel you still sympathy for him here. But when the guy goes, I don't know if you had kayaks like do you have kayaks we could use kayaks and the guys yeah de niro's so mad the fuck do kayaks kayaks have to do with knives now de niro is right but this guy is trying so hard to be like if i could maybe help yeah it's like i'll i'll try to like we need kayaks like you do it full it's funny you're right gamers how quickly the scene flips from this fucking pervert just looking at big jugs in the camera right being like i I don't know give him the time of day he's like you're you know he's bob you know it's fucking Gil, pay attention. And then by the end of it, you're like, Gil, get the fuck out of this guy's office. God, it's so... And the dude, like, flips out. And then the guy also... This guy does a good job who um, 
who acts as this uh, this store owner because he's completely not paying attention to De Niro selling at him, and he's hypnotized by these by, by the fucking huge boobs. boobs of this fucking woman. I get it. But then when Gil starts like telling him off, he ices him out in a fully different way, which I was pretty impressed with. Of like, all right, hey, yeah, well, it's we're we're all good. I think that dude is he's so good cuz he is the one who got me to go like, "Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, Bobby's uh or Gil's going to be a problem." So, at the hospital, Bobby's got to visit this kid and um the kid's named Sean, which freaks Bobby out because that's the name of his son. That's my son's name. Tomorrow, will you hit a home run for me? <laughs> this is so fucking crazy that this is a So later <laughs> at the golf course, him and Manny, Bobby's like, what the fuck did you get? The kid is dying. He's not a sick kid. He's on death's door. Now I got a fucking pro. Now I got to hit a home run. I'm going to be all fucking stressed out and shit. And he's got my son's name. Uh, we got to say at this point, his... Uh, agent man, he sucks. He didn't get him his number. He yes. didn't warn him that this kid he didn't do any prep that this kid's name was Sean or anything. That's like, a good point. He's man. like, <laughs> fire Manny. This is not Bobby's issue at all. Like he, you're, th- those high level athletes and high level celebrities, you're supposed to just be ushered into a situation that is completely prepared for you to succeed in. If Manny wasn't good at his job, we wouldn't have a movie. Like he Manny. Is- Manny's making $4 million, most likely, off of Bobby's deal. Uh, right? He's, yeah. He gets 10%. He's getting four mil. <laughs> the guy can't And that's just that. this deal. Right. And who he's, knows? So <laughs> he's, if he's a $40 million athlete, he's getting $100 million in endorsements. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And he's making so much money. He's like, yeah, sorry. I didn't do any of the prep work. I'm oh, getting shit. Yeah, I probably should have done the number thing. And yeah, he, like I didn't look into this kid at all. He should add a fleet of guys looking for the necklace. We'll get to that, too. <laughs> Joe would be fucking great. Gil has, like, his chances are fucking getting slim. And uh, and he's like, lucky tie, lucky guy. He puts on his power tie. <laughs> oh, this is so sad. <laughs> dude, it's so sad. He goes to the secretary, kind of is like a little flirty. And he's like, yeah, sorry, he's gone. He's like. But it's four o'clock, and she's like, "It's four ten. It's like, "Oh, my watch must be slow because he's got his stupid fucking giant giants watch novelty watch <laughs> that probably doesn't work right, and this is a great moment too, because you're like this poor fucking guy, and then when he's like ten minutes late to like the life saving meeting, you're like, "What a fucking numb nut dude like- and then he takes out his address book to see like she's like he's available tomorrow afternoon, so he's got and she's got her computer that she's looking at, and he takes out this like fucking crazy overstuffed notebook and uh um, and it's opening day right so yeah it's opening my son i want him to take him to opening day as a father i'm a real cut up i'll get to the point oh they're all <laughs> like, so bad oh <laughs> but it's funny that he's the mega fan and he's like hold on let me check oh tomorrow no i can't that's opening day the thing that every baseball fan is like counting down to mm-hmm. <laughs> And I do like that they hit the thing on opening day that, like, it is a weekday game and it is early. Yeah, and it's, like, hard to actually swing. So it is, like, you do have to take the day off work or, like, you got to skip out. I mean, that's kind of the fun of it. Yeah. Traffic. 
Manny calls Bobby, who's in bed, and like he's like, Primo wants five hundred grand for his number. And he's like, he says it's his lucky number. He's like, man, he's lucky to be in the fucking country. And he's like, five hundred grand doesn't fucking matter. Like, I guess I'm going to use thirty three. Dun dun dun. Bad move. I don't understand. <laughs> Negotiate. Be like, tell him I'll give him two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is an insane amount of money. But if you're making forty million, it's not that crazy. Yeah, give him five hundred grand. <laughs> I'm sure these guys work out crazy deals like this all the fucking time. Like when you like a fucking it, it again, this is Manny's fault. Like probably you go to that guy and it's like, Hey man, want a new fucking, uh, like brand diamond. new Cor- Corvette yes. or whatever, you know, something it's that's like under 500 grand, fucking but it's insane. crazy ass necklace or some shit. Like, yeah. And like as a, a token, it's also like, a big diamond out 33 is yeah. what you should like do is be like, would you like if you switch to 33 with him or switch your number, I'll get you a fucking chain, some fucking ice. Gil goes to pick up his kid at his ex-wife's house and they're having a cookout. He fucks up the his ex-wife's new husband's name, calls him Ted, even though his name's Tim. He's like, what'd you get late? Would you get fired from your job? He's like, nah, it's my day off. <laughs> he's like, he's such a piece of shit, but he's like, oh, you, let me talk to your new piece of shit husband. The guy's like such a better dude. <laughs> yeah. Such so, like he's a cooking. Too he much, got the he's kid like a, glove. a little too yeah. much of a milk toast dude, like for his own good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I do like that, that he's like a little too much of a pushover. And she's always like, Tim, call the police. Yeah. But, I I would dread being in a situation like that where you're like I don't know it's his kid like I'm just here yeah. like I don't yeah, know it's how awkward to, I don't want to I mean they got guy. it like they it yeah. works that whole secret well and, we'll get to it we'll and she's it. also like he's not home it, it, he's not home by six I call the cops <laughs> or some shit like that now where, in this like, I like this because it implies that they're she knows how crazy he, she That's is. That's exactly what I lo- I was just about to say, Ben. This moment you go, wait a minute. Why is she? And then sh- just to kick it up a notch, she goes, everyone hear it here. Don't make him do anything he doesn't want to do. And you're like, whoa, what has this dude done in the past that she's like, because she's like, it was a bad idea to begin with. I didn't want you to take mm-hmm. like all of that shit is fucking crazy like what is their history (laughs) so so the kid gets in the van with uh gill and this is where we get him talking about jason pellegrini his buddy jason pellegrini's dad says jagger's gay yeah jason pellegrini's dad takes it up the ass (laughs) remember positive things happen to positive people he's giving he's like rattling off advice and this i know fucking hit triggered me (laughs) Gabrus, <laughs> that was too. I hate that fucking. What are the three what's you got to be? <laughs> and then he's then he looks down at the glove. The kid is like, where'd you get that glove? It's like Tim gave it to me. It's like it's a piece of shit. <laughs> the energy is so stressful Dude. in this because it's the realest shit where it's like, please don't flip out. You get this is great casting. This kid is good. Do the kids see- good. He seems annoying and dorky in a way that butting up against his intensity really makes the situation and he sells that it's a stressful situation for him so fucking well like his looking around and when later on when he's escalating himself and you could just the kid is just like so stressed out by it fucking rules at the at the stadium 
opening day, Candlestick Park, 1996. Jewel is in the booth with Manny, and uh, the kid is fucking using his knife <laughs> to spread the mustard on his hot dog. Shoehorn in the knife. Dude, how instantly did that date this movie, that a kid was able to bring yeah. a knife into a baseball set? You have to have, like, a clear fanny pack to go to a fucking anywhere now. Aaron Neville singing the national anthem. It's great. Um, this shit is good, too, where the kid sees the mascot and he's all excited. And Gil's like, what are you doing? Pay attention to the game. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's still a kid. <laughs> High fly, Rayburn and Primo collide, catching the ball. And he loses his lucky, like, number 11 pendant that Bobby wears. Because he wasn't worried about the number because he still had his l- lucky little fucking amulet thing. But now it's fucking gone. And he's hurt because like they fucking collided pretty hard. In the back, in the locker room, he's getting an, like a fucking injection to numb the pain. And Manny comes in. He's like, get out of the game. Like, no use killing yourself. It's the first game. Like, playing like a superhero and then being out the whole season. He's like, yeah, well, because of you, I got to be babe fucking Ruth. Because of the, like, sick kids. Because he told promising. the kid I'd hit a home yeah. run. Yeah. <laughs> and this is another Manny thing. Like, Manny later is like, well, the kid actually died and it all didn't matter. I could have <laughs> told you, but I didn't want to get you in a bad mood. <laughs> it's like, maybe that would have helped your argument here, Manny. <laughs> Manny's, Manny's wrong so frequently in this movie. If, if, I'm, if you're like, Bobby, I, you go, get the fuck out of the booth, by the way. What the fuck? <laughs> Stop <laughs> trying to fuck Jewel? Or, like, what are you doing? So Gil needs to make a call. Gil is still thinking he's gonna he's gonna do this sales pitch with this guy whose meeting he was late for. So he tells his son to wait there, and she's like, "You're leaving." And we keep getting these shots of this woman wearing a Stanford hat, just like clocking what a shitty dad Gil is, and how abusive he is, and how like how much he curses, and like is not fun. And Gil cannot walk away from the game because shit keeps happening and he keeps getting up to leave and then a new exciting moment gets teed up and he can't leave. I think this is the best chunk of baseball-ness of the movie is this moment here because he keeps looking at his watch. You have no idea how far he has to get from the stadium to wherever Baseball's fair. (laughs) Life isn't fair. Baseball is fair. Rayburn's at bat. Jewel is like, hmm, Rayburn's looking a little stiff. And he swings. He's clearly in pain. Gill's like, he's playing with heart. That's a man showing his medal. Realizes he doesn't have. And oh, then fucking um, uh, Bobby now fully freaks out because he doesn't have his lucky pendant. And so now he like calls a time. And meanwhile, Gil's like, fucking play ball. Play the fucking game. I know. Him flipping on the guy who was like, he's a legend. He's worth every dollar. And he just by him stalling him like two minutes here, he snaps. And people are like, sit down. Because he's like standing up and it's like (laughs) probably like the second inning of the game. (laughs) (laughs) And then the guy behind him. This was also so fucking real. When the guy behind, so a guy behind uh, Gil is like, hey, sit down. And he's like, fuck you. And then a guy behind that guy is like, uh, tells them both to shut the fuck up. And then 
everybody applauds that guy. Like, that's the yeah, real that's shit. That's the move. That's that's you said that's the guy from Lost. He's the pilot from Con Air too. That's when we've also seen. And him. I He's also think he plays a character named Rogers in Bosch. That's possible. He's uh, he's MC like an ex cop named Rogers in Bosch. The uh, what's your fucking problem, you old busybody? He tells off the fucking <laughs> uh, Stanford lady. And he's like, all right, I got to go. Of course, as soon as he leaves, Bobby hits it out of the park. And Gil fucking. And this is also when, because Gil says he's going to make a call. And so you're like, okay, he's going to call that guy selling shit too. But no, he gets in his van and leaves and tries to make this fucking meeting. This is so, this, this, this is the beginning where I'm of the, of the, I'm like, does he really think this is going to work? Like, this is such an insanely bad idea. Like, it's so, I don't, like, I can't wrap my head around his thought process. What Would it have worked if Stanford Lady hadn't zeroed in on him? <laughs> she was rooting for him to fail. He fucking bothered her, and she had a she had it in for him. She straight I mean, up. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do with leaving his kid there, but could he have gotten away with it? I mean, the game was far from being over by the time he got back. Games are so fucking long. I mean, it, it is possible. Did, right. did, is this the sequence in which he goes to get the foul ball and you just watch him like show oh, up every God. <laughs> This is so It's like Costanza leaving hurts. the, it's so fucking funny. <laughs> He hurts Richie, his son. (laughs) I stepped on my foot. (laughs) And when the kid when the kid finally has it, you see uh, he's got his arm. He's like, like, and then he goes like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's enough. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah. The kid it shifted. It it shifted. (laughs) The movie's worth it. I know we talked we questioned this movie's existence. I say it's worth it all for that one. (laughs) It's so, such good. No, there's physical. a lot of good stuff with him. I know. I know. I'm joking. Like that. Yeah, that is yeah. so fucking funny. There's another really funny scene. I can't wait to talk about where he's <laughs> insane. But like that shit is so. Him trying to get that foul ball. Oh, oh God. God. And the, and it, it, the fact that a, like a little kid gets it. <laughs> De Niro's so good. And the oh, and he man, walks back he, and he's trying to defend why he went for it because it like was yeah. coming his way, but then it like shifted <laughs> over. Yeah. It drifted. <laughs> drifted so the secretary at this place is like no he's not here he's actually at the game and this is this this is when gill is fully like oh fuck they gave him my tickets they stole my account it all gill realizes all this shit now so he rushes back to the game the kid's fucking gone meanwhile uh manny congratulates bobby and tells him like oh yeah that kid slipped into a coma he's like he wasn't watching it at all and then he's like, but it didn't matter, right? And he's like, yeah, well, it was a fucking fluke. I hit that. I didn't, I didn't see the ball f- at all. <laughs> I also don't, I don't like that Stanford lady because she, because there's a big rivalry between Cal and Stanford. I don't know if you guys know about that. It's I one of the don't, most but famous rivalries of all time. <laughs> Definitely. In college sports. Huge, huge, huge rivalry. Everybody talks about it. Anyway, and just like, that not just athletics, more like fucking um, academics. Yeah. <laughs> everything think about how crazy that woman is is that she's clocking this guy he leaves and she's like all right i gotta take this kid back to his house and stay there until the dad have shows. coffee <laughs> with the dad scotties and shit you fucking old bitch <laughs> dude it's so good the casting the of her is so good 
she looks like the like the positive Karen, right? Like the- so, Gil like <laughs> what the fuck in. are you looking at? Gil, he rushes in, goes straight to the kid. Dude, this is so fucking funny. He goes got straight to his pizza. kids. Got his favorite pizza. He's like, you left me. He's like, I got your favorite pizza. And he's like, I don't like mushrooms. Hey, you can just pick them off. <laughs> his favorite pizza got them off. And Tim is outside going, unlock the door. And this <laughs> is got to be. This has got to be improvised. It's open. It, this is got. It's got to be De Niro improvised. He's like, yes. it's open. <laughs> I love that. It's not locked. It's, it's not and locked. Then, <laughs> and he turns to the kid. And he's like, you can drink this coke. It's locked. The door's locked. He's not getting in. <laughs> Again, not to keep, uh, you know, just airing trauma, but like everyone in a house yelling and someone trying to have like a real conversation with you is like a a big chunk of my childhood as well. Like people like (laughs) crazy anger is happening all around. Someone's like, it's okay. Sometimes grownups fight, you know, like someone's taking me aside to make me feel better. Positive things happen to positive thinkers. Who said that? Coop. (laughs) Coop. I love sure. Remind you, Coop, the smartest guy I ever knew. <laughs> Best goddamn ball. Like all the specifics about Coop are so. The buildup fucking... of Coop is so fucking good. Did you guys think that Richie would use his knife to take the mushrooms off? <laughs> did we? Did you talk about how he flipped he the knife open the, to yeah. scrape the, the mustard? Off. I thought your mom confiscated that. She did, <laughs> dude. And then when Tim. It's so fucking good when um, he fucks up and calls Tim dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <God. laughs> well, dad, Tim. <laughs> Gil's at the office. And this is where like shit gets real bad. And he's like, we gave we gave him your account. Uh, he didn't steal it from you. I gave it to him. Because he's like, you stole my account. He fucking t- he, he took it out from under me. He's like, my father started this business. He, he wasn't a businessman, Gil, and neither were you. I, oh, God, De Niro also has this great line in the scene where he goes, I've got a new strategy. It's going to work pretty well. <laughs> I, well. He's tried everything. Like, what is his new strategy? Like, lo- <laughs> got a new strategy. It's going to work pretty well. And Gil's crummy-ass apartment. He listens to sports radio. And... uh Great. This is also funny. It's like a sports therapist or something. He's like, well, of course, the ball is the ejaculate. Yeah. And listening to our friends on there and they're like, they lost all their collars, you know. And then we get our our good buddy from Sopranos, um, the fucking pizza parlor guy. Um, What was this guy's name? Petey or some shit. They ran ran him over with the car and fucking. Oh, yeah. Tony's got to build up the ramp and stuff. (laughs) And he's knocking on Gil's door and he's like, somebody's breaking into your van. (laughs) He's like, where? He's like, here, hold this. He's like, you've been served. That rolls. Do you get served um, restraining orders? I have no fucking idea. I know, like for yeah. divorces, and that I have. Shit. I'm not. I'm not going to go into how I know very well what serves and how serving and restraining orders work. So let's just keep moving. It's a badge <laughs> of honor. <laughs> I mean, you're the guy I would ask. <laughs> All those porn stars <laughs> stalking me. So Richie's practice. Leave me alone. <laughs> I mean, I almost did get put out a restraining order on somebody but i felt fucking ridiculous doing it because i was like she's five three like am i really gonna like give this description and i was like yeah but 
she still could fucking murder me. Yeah, or like yeah. be at your house and you have to like shove her out of your house and then she sues and, you yes, for yeah. like violence and you're like, oh, I, I had that restraining order against People you. People were like, get a restraining order. What are you doing? This is not normal. People sending you this shit. <laughs> and I, I just fully ignored it. And, it, uh, and that's why we have to record on Zoom now. Yeah. <laughs> because it's me that Ben is talking about. <laughs> ben has a restraining order against me. So I, uh, Ben and Stanger are in Valverde, and I'm on Zoom talking. It's just like you got to figure your shit out. I'm sorry. I'm, I misread okay a lot of I'm okay to do the stuff. podcast as long as it's 500 feet away from each other. I misread a lot of clue- cues. I, got, I can say that safely now. <laughs> I latched on pretty hard. <laughs> You got a new strategy. It's going to work pretty good. You got a new strategy. It's going to work very well. The, uh, every once in a while, my the old stalker will like be like, hey, great job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you get the occasional support. From and him. it's all like from like some unrecognizable. It's like from like a burner phone. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to say great job. You're doing picking great. Up Jane, picking up Jane's shit in Griffith Park. Great job. Saw that. <laughs> you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Going through some bank stubs. Looks like you're doing good. Good job. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine what like a famous person must have to deal with. Yeah. That must we just. See it a l- we see it a little bit with Bobby in this. <laughs> we get a, get Dude, a little bit that of shit idea. is good. Like that. Yeah. Again, all this this there's good scenes in this. It's that, really good. The shit really with him, them playing on the beach is oh, fucking yeah. good. Wesley Snipes is doing really good work. The two yeah. that's the one of the best scenes in the movie. So this is fucking some real shit. Richie's practice. Gil shows up, oh. starts immediately yelling <laughs> at the fucking coach at everybody. <laughs> He's like both, and he's giving impossible <laughs> orders. It's like, <laughs> take it easy on him. He's a kid. And then he's like, mix in some strikes. <laughs> Throw some strikes, coach. Come on. He's a kid. Come on. You're letting the bat swing him. <laughs> now, and then there's the reveal that the, the stepdad is there and the mom's not sitting with him. <laughs> God, that was so funny, too. Like, what is their relationship? Well, she's off talking to moms, probably. Right. You know, t- Step on the eggshell, squash the bug as people are, like, dragging him out. <laughs> The question we have to ask ourselves is, is Richie's glove a piece of shit? Really? No, I mean, it's do good. you guys? It's good. Yeah. I bet you it's good. Yeah, it's got to be good. I, I bet you be it's on good. Side. And I bet you Gil it's never shit. got his kid a glove as much as he loves. <laughs> no, I bet you he chicken. saw the glove and was like, fuck, I should have bought it. But he for sure bought doing? himself a glove. Right. Yeah. He definitely has a glove that he bought. It's for him. Oh, He's got a real. ton of gloves. Piece of shit. It's a piece of shit. Who gave you the glove? <laughs> so he's watching uh so pr- bobby is in a slump he's struggling he doesn't have his lucky number gill's at home watching he sees a bug on his wall a like frank oz like puppet <laughs> yeah, bug it looks fucking joe's crazy. apartment size roach yeah singing and, a and uh, <laughs> they had a team of 13 people you know puppeteering the yeah thing. it's like the sketskis or whatever like, a hasidic <laughs> dude is walking by and he like throws the knife like, I think there was probably a deleted scene where he's getting thrown out of this apartment. And this is like maybe there to establish it. Um, but now it's just like more psycho shit. He throws the knife, hits the bug, but it goes through the door and like freaks out. 
this Hasidic guy walking his dog. But they're establishing that he can uh, throw uh, a knife pretty accurately, mm-hmm. which will come into play for the third pitch. It's got De Niro's weird kind of throwing motion, which they wisely have a, a double for him in all the uh, the pitching scenes. <laughs> but we really got to see that uh, in full effect in The Irishman when he throws the, mm-hmm. the, the gun. gun. <laughs> yeah. And it also is kind of like setting us up of like, okay, now he's like fully lost it. He can't see yeah. his kid. He's got a restraining order. He lost his job. Now he's throwing knives. He's got a hole in his face. He's like and Colonel Kurtz. Yeah. And his knives are deadly because he's got his dad's real deal knives quick shot of his boss's car with a bunch of fucking holes in the hood and a knife sticking out of it uh he also uh de niro has like the magnet strip on the wall of it right inside it where he's staying with like all he has like a dozen knives on it like he's armed to the fucking teeth bobby starts wearing his old braves number 11 under his 33 which i thought was cool every once in a while you can see players doing that shit because, yeah. like, the whites are so see-through where you're like, oh, wow, he's wearing his old fucking team under there. Or, like, a lot of guys, you can see their old, like, college shit. Like, baseball is so superstitious. Dude, Wade Boggs' superstitions is, like, of the, one of the best, like, Wikipedia reads of all time. Like, he ate a bucket of fried chicken every game day. <laughs> <laughs> he would write wow. the Hebrew letter for good luck in the sand in the dirt with his bat. He's not Jewish. He would only sprint at uh do his sprint workouts at the same time every day. Like at the end in 7 or something before he started. He had like all these crazy ass specifics. I love it. So Manny uh, finally let, agrees to let Jewel interview. What was it? You called me a castrating ball buster? Aren't I on some sort of list? Hey, Schindler's got a list, not me. <laughs> Oh, so Gil called. This is a good scene where Gil calls the locker room. Is like, uh, is Bobby Rayburn there? I'm an old friend of his. And then they like, put him on. He's like, hello. And then <laughs> Gil just doesn't say anything and hangs up. <laughs> this made me think of, of you doing uh, <laughs> the uh, Omega Man. <laughs> hello? Who is this? Hello? <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> What's his name in Omega Man? Dr. Uh... Dr. Colonel, Colonel Neville. <laughs> Dr. Colonel Neville. Colonel Neville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, is Colonel Neville there? I'm uh, we have Ar- old friend Aaron of Neville's brother. Please. <laughs> <laughs> no, put your brother on, please. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I don't know much, but I know how. Love you. I'm screaming calls for my brother. <laughs> Who is this? Beep. It's all I need to know. I thought you were screening my calls. <laughs> the hell are you doing? Uh, I like it too, and he does a weird hang up to where he's all kind of like freaked Real out, slow, and he does yeah. like. Yeah, the the finger over the button for a long time. And it is like he's kind of blown away that he figured out how to get through. I mean, you imagine him calling, you know, 50 different places to finally get All right, get big down new there. character introduced. We got Sean, Bobby's son, shows up, gets picked up at the on a private jet on the airport runway. And, of course, inside his jacket, Bobby's got Bradley, a little, like, Rottweiler-type puppy. Um, and uh, why aren't you hitting, Dad? <laughs> 
really I like Sean right away. Good actor. Kid, good kid actors good. in this. He's Two, great. Both of them. Yeah. yeah, both sons are really good. So on the car ride from picking up Sean, Manny's like, hey, I think you should do this interview. You can say that, like, the reason you're not hitting well is because you played really hard in that opening game because of the kid with cancer. And he's like, isn't that exploiting the kid's death or something? And it's like, yeah. Um, but then we go to the bar with Jewel, and this scene's fucking weird. Um, he gets a screwdriver. That stuck with me. I remember that from when I was a kid. He, and he calls it a vodka orange juice. <laughs> I, I I feel like that's just like the writer being like, well, what would an athlete drink alcohol wise? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, well, orange juice is good for you. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's part of your complete uh-huh. breakfast. He's <laughs> drinking orange juice later in the movie. I mean, it, it is. He does like it. It seems true. Well, and this was ninety six. <laughs> juice was huge. Yeah, I yeah. was drinking a shit ton of juice. We all were. We didn't realize the sugar content. We thought we we got oh. convinced. We were eating bagels and drinking Tropicana orange juice every mm-hmm. game day. It's a healthy, like, it's a healthy <laughs> breakfast. Every day. Every game day. Twice about it. Thought it was just good eating. I thought I was eating healthy. You're better off doing the Boggs bucket of fried chicken. Yeah. Remember the ad that was 100 like, Miller Lights. <laughs> it was like fight heart, fight cancer, and it had a little glass of juice, and then it had a fucking huge glass of juice next to it, and it said fight harder. <laughs> Brought to you by Juice. Yeah. Now looking back, I'm like, what a fucked up ad. Like, yeah, I got to fight cancer. I got to pour a big glass of juice. Why have 37 grams of sugar when you can have 109? (laughs) I got to bring this to my mom. This will help her. God, I just remember going to the fridge, opening it, pouring another full pint glass of grapefruit juice. All those like crazy Minute Maid fucking Tropicana Apple um, juice like, was a big one too. Like I would just drink like a glass of apple juice. In the mid nineties, like... Tropicana started coming out. Like that's when my family finally moved away from like making concentrate and buying right. the actual thing. That was huge for us. Like that I, was a big step too. God, I fucking loved it. I was like, this is we are living. And Tropicana started making those juices that were like strawberry, banana, orange juice. Yeah, orange pineapple. Yeah, orange, and that, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. Just, just getting more and more close to Kool-Aid, and you have yeah. no idea. You're like, just, it's got multiple fruits in it. It came in a carton, but it had a screw top. Yeah, yeah like that was cool, you, too. <laughs> yeah, you didn't open the carton. You just unscrewed it, and then you get the heavy pulp, and you're like, shit, this is fucking fresh squeezed, yeah. this motherfucker, <laughs> with all this pulp in here. Come on, I'm, I'm eating an orange, for Christ's sake. They had a great ad where they just would punch the straw into the orange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That worked on like, me. That's, yeah, the fucking... Um... It works on me now. If if a, if I'm poolside and they sell a drink that comes in a coconut, I buy it. Like, I I was... Because I wasn't drinking and trying not to drink, so I, I drank two coconuts. Just water, coconut water and a coconut poolside in in uh, New York when I was there because I just didn't want to have alcohol. But I'm like, I'm 40 years old holding a fucking Gotta coconut. have a coconut drink when you go to New York, baby. Wait, know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta fit in at the Equinox. Yeah, I got to be a shredded gay dude uh, cruising if you want to fit in at the Equinox Hotel. Holy shit. I went to the pool at Tiffany. Some studs out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's fucking, Every- that's rhino zone. 
No, dude, watching dudes ask other dudes to take photos of them so that they could post them and then using that as an icebreaker. I was just like, smart dudes fucking rock. There's so everyone's in speedos and they're all just like, can you take a photo of me with my phone, please? Gabrus, that was a pretty fun. That was a real deal at a model thing you did for the fucking speedo company. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you're working it, man. Gabrus posted a picture of himself getting out of a, uh, a pool and he's got kind of the classic like uh pushing your hair back out of the pool uh pose going on and he's like thanks for making size 40 spe- speedos <laughs> and they reposted it and i was like yeah dude's doing it man it's a yeah. good photo they should be advertising this it, it looks good it tiffany looks good, made man. me do that tiffany was like i should get a video of you in slow-mo coming out of the pool i'm like i'm too fucked up to do that and she's like no that's why I'm asking. She you. was right. Was like, she knows what she's she doing. Right. She was right. I got free. She's good at her job. <laughs> so this is a big moment, though, during this interview, even though Bobby takes the, the recorder out of her fucking where it's like, no, dude, you want the recorder. So she gets what you say right and doesn't twist your words around like so many fucking reporters do. Um, the, But she helps him. She's like, I think this slump's good for you. It takes the pressure off. You won't be such a fucking. Uh perfectionist then you can actually just play the game which ultimately is what gets him out of the slump not fucking gill's psycho mission (laughs) i think it's gill killing primo but (laughs) so cut to primo fine you're on everybody's side but gills go ahead go on primo uh is getting mobbed by fans and like rayburn walks by like the tables have turned and fans are like Fuck you, Rayburn. <laughs> oh, dude, the highlight, that's the realest shit, is that you just someone's walking by and you just over here, fuck you, Rayburn. Bobby, don't listen to him, Bobby. <laughs> Gil's there somehow. Gil's there and also hears the other guy yell and has a reaction to it. And we get some good psycho shots of Gil. He's got, like, the model of Bobby's car, like, his Hummer. Like, he's fully, like, losing it, and he's... Got, we'll, we'll later learn where this place is, but he's in some sort of like layer full of paraphernalia and press clippings. <laughs> yeah, a psycho bunker with a bunch he's of He's in like a Batman there. bad guy layer, which also made me think, I wish um, Tony Scott would have taken over the fucking Batman franchise instead of Schumacher. Oh, like, oh, those yeah, would have been some wild done, movies. He would have done some fun shit. Does your dad have any other weird places he takes you? <laughs> that's probably where he took Sean. Well, I, I want to get to it later, but that fucking police work is insane. <laughs> so this is another big scene, strip club, where all the baseball players hang out. So, of course, Gil does, too. And uh, Bobby walks in, and, uh, and of course, the bartenders are like, Primo, man, wish we had a whole team of guys like him. And Bobby's like, he's not that fucking good. Or Gil's like, he's not that good. Bobby walks in, the bartender is like, waste of space. And Gil's like, hey, we've all had our ba- a bad patch. You never had a bad patch? And he's working a shitty job. And he goes, no, this is my dream job. <laughs> yeah, it's a great read by this guy. Uh, it's a pretty cool job, though, bartending at a strip club. Yeah, where the Giants hang out at. He probably makes pretty good tips. My, I'm, It's a fucking terrible job, I'm sure. But, like, it's one of those jobs people will try to present as like it's actually really great i get to see boobies and fucking the baseball players come in and it's like the most depressing like i mean uh, 
you're, I'm sold on that first, you know, when I, so my improv show that I used to do was called shitty jobs. And we'd interview somebody about their job. We would get a lot of guys like that. That were like, I just drove people from one strip club to the next and like took the strippers home at night. It was pretty sick. <laughs> like, oh, you just want to come up here and talk about how cool your job is. You fucking, but it's dork. also like, as soon as you dig a little bit deeper into it, it's like, yeah, they all have drug problems. Uh, it's they're all getting like it all, like you just unpeel one la- layer oh, of the hate, onion. They hate men. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> completely right. fucked up. <laughs> they hate men and rightfully so. Uh, and I represented <laughs> that to them, and so you know I'm getting a and uh, twice a week Tony Soprano comes in and beats the ever loving piss out of me, and I was kind of a pervert that drove the car and stared at him. <laughs> Gil's like, I'm going to go talk to Bobby. And the bartender's like, please don't harass these guys or they won't yeah. start coming here. And he wa- Bobby straight up gives him the hand, like can just see an oncoming fan and just like ignores him. Gil goes to take a piss in a stall. And meanwhile, Primo and Bobby, Bobby's like, can I talk to you? And it, they get into a full-blown fight in the locker room about the number thing. He's like, I want my number. Primo's like, no. So... Gil gets this idea in his head of like, that's the fucking problem. On Jewel's show, they have Bobby on and Gil calls in and they fucking love when Gil calls in. Gil straight up records this conversation and uh, Bobby's like, hey, maybe I should have you talk to Primo because Gil Gil is like super Bobby like, you know, fuck fuck him. He should respect you and give you the number or fuck him or get out of the team. It's like, hey, man, maybe I should have you on my team talking to Primo. And he's back in his lair with all the Mick Jagger photos around. Julie even says, like, you know the best. You should be running this team and all that. And, like, you know, she's just saying that. And, like, he hears it and it, like, really clicks in. And they've done all these studies with um with people that are psychos and stalkers to where it happens a lot with, like, uh, news people, like, broadcast news people because they're able to invent a fictitious relationship because they see him every night and they speak directly to camera. So it's like you're watching they're right this, in their know, headphones. Yeah, or they're right in their like that's like exactly. the like the Fisher King. That's like what happens in mm-hmm. the uh they the guy kills someone on behalf of the fucking Jeff Bridges or whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh they told me to do it. <laughs> I you know I I know people who are like performers who have stalkers have said to them i knew you were sending me secret codes the, during every show when you said mm-hmm. whenever you said blank i knew you were referring mm-hmm. to me and shit that or they were like i don't know what you're talking about it scares the fuck stop out of me. posting about me <laughs> what <laughs> i know you're posting about me stop it <laughs> and you go look back through and it's like and it's like the action boys zoom live yeah. show <laughs> It's like I what? I did three promotional posts and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. I don't like it. Get out of my head. <laughs> so this scene I have mixed feelings about. I think it could have been really cool. I do think Tony Scott fucked this up. Cause some of it is is crazy wild Tony Scott violence. This is Primo getting murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Primo is leaving like He's walking through a hotel, walking to pa- past the pool into the steam room. Fans are everywhere. He's kind of always getting mobbed. Gil follows him in. He's wearing a suit. He's got a manila envelope. And he goes into the steam room. He's Mr. Primo. He tries to give him a cell. He's like, 
you might have to lay down a sacrifice. And uh, Primo's like, I am number 11. Primo, it's fucking Benicio del Toro talking with like a big generic South American accent, probably. And he pulls up his sleeve or t- moves his towel over, probably. And he's branded number 11. So this kind of crosses Gil's wires and it's like, fuck, I guess we can't win. And he leaves. But this is just some creative editing from um, uh, Scott to make you think for a second, oh, I guess he just gave up. But then we go back to the locker room. It's a time jump. So we we go back in time. And no, he didn't. He left. But it was after he viciously murdered this guy. They start to tussle. Gil takes his knife out. Stabs him. We got nine inch nails blasting. <laughs> and Primo looks just kind of dazed. But then you look down, he's got the fucking knife sticking out of his fucking thigh and it's yes. squirting blood. Oh, his it, femoral artery. Screen goes red. And fucking Gil goes to work cutting the brand out. I think we didn't need the fucking walk out. Fake out? Me either. No, I think play it slower and tense. Yeah. I mean, that's not what Tony Scott would ever do is like slow it down and play tension. But I, I think it's a cop out because I want to see I want to see Gil make the decision to go to that level of violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so that's like a big he, turn for him. At it's this a point. huge yeah. turn. This yeah. is it. And it's a huge moment. And you just kind of see him leaving. And then you're already you're you cut back to him already kind of in it in, you know, in it. But the femoral artery stab was really cool, and that whole effect, it looks fucking gross and real. De Niro and I the... did it also. Like, De Niro gave it to him, because you can tell in the scene where he looks at the branded thirty, the branded 11. Yeah. Because that's when you see, like, I don't, I guess I got to fucking kill this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the, I like it when it goes all red. Like, it's, a, it's like a filter that's over the camera that's red. That's really cool, and that's kind of bold to put in a big... You know, non-art God, film we studio got, movie. We cut, we cut to soft Santana playing. Yeah, it was so fucking. What a funny music choice. Everybody's mourning. The team's playing for the first time since the murder of Primo. They have like they all are wearing Memorial Eleven, the black, and even like to drive the point home to really spoon feed it to the lodgers. We got like this one kind of crook looking guy. It might have been crook. We're all wearing 11 tonight. Yeah. Onse. Uh, they keep saying Onse, and on subtitles, it's spelled like once, and they don't have an accent. So I was like, wait, what? They're saying just why? Once. Were, why were you watching with subtitles? <laughs> uh, because uh, sometimes I do it for names, because I can't keep track okay. of uh, characters' names. Uh, it helps me, like, visual adds a visual mem- uh, remembering to it, too. But because this time this it sounded one- like you're not listening to it. No, <laughs> sorry. And also, when you when you were offering up why you watched it with subtitles, it sounded like you were lying too. <laughs> okay, um, I've been deaf for six weeks, and I, I I'm just guessing what part of the movie we're talking about on based on facial expressions. You guys solved it. I was like, maybe he was on a plane. He forgot his headphones or some shit. I was like trying, <laughs> which I would applaud you for. I wouldn't. I mean, because wow. every other asshole would just watch the shit without their headphones. I've I've had that conversation. That's my level of fan freaking out where I I'll, I'll go up to the person and I'll be like, "You don't have headphones? Oh. Are dude. you fucking insane? <laughs> Treat yourself. 
you got to get some headphones, man. I got it. Like, and I'll be like, ask them. Ask them for headphones. It's free on the plane. (laughs) They might have some. I get it. Like, they don't have fucking plugs in these computers anymore. They don't have fucking... It's a little bit harder, but still. Guess what? You can't listen to shit. Yeah, it's just like... It's not because you forgot headphones that this is what has to happen. Because you forgot headphones, you don't get to watch anything. Yeah. Like, that's how, like, the brain is supposed to be. Is like, I don't have my headphones, so I'm not going to play up. TV well, full volume. Yes, guess yeah. I got to read. Yeah, I guess I got to look at the I gotta flight magazine. One of the yeah. fucking 500 other options there. I guess I'll play a video game with no noise. <laughs> I love uh, Roger's act of kindness. <laughs> Rogers, it was funny today. I there's a little like a uh, question. I had a small question where I was confused as to what we were gonna watch tonight. And so then I I asked and I was wrong. And then uh <laughs> Rogers cleared it up for me and I was like, oh shit, sorry. And then Rogers is like, no, it's good that you asked. Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, this is as this is as good as it could have gone. You like <laughs> Yeah, this is good. You ask, buddy. Hey, you're confused. You just ask away. Hey, if at any point you're nervous, you just ask dad. You talk to me, okay? And I'm I'll keep an eye on you. <laughs> this was something that I did do on a flight. Um to show you what level this is a pre-pandemic thing obviously you couldn't get away with this now um but there's a guy sitting next to me watching something with the fucking sound on no headphones and so i reach into my bag i take out this fucking disgusting pair of headphones that i had like an extra pair that i like work out in and stuff and i'm like hey man i got an extra pair of headphones if you want them hell yeah ball in his court how does he react Oh, no, no, it's okay. I, sorry, I didn't realize the sound was on. Yeah. Because <laughs> hmm. sometimes people do that because it's like they act like the fucking, like, white noise of the plane is so fucking loud. It's like, well, no one could possibly hear this shit. Uh, one time I, someone tapped me. I had my head, I had noise-canceling headphones on, and the audio was so low on the <laughs> book I was listening to, I kept turning the volume on. And eventually the person tapped me and is like, it's playing from your phone. And I was like, oh, and it's like super loud. And I'm going like, and the person saw me like, what the fuck? And it's, it's just, what I'm hearing is the faintest little part that I'm able to hear through my headphones. And they're like, all just blasting on it. And it's literally like, Drizzit was riding Guinevere into <laughs> battle. You know, it's like the most corny, crazy shit. She accepted like, him inside of her. Her elven <laughs> nipples were hard. <laughs> Mm, that's nice. Elvish Quim qu- can keep you young, says my father. <laughs> mm, that's nice. She quivered into his I ear. miss human penis. <laughs> that's what elves would say, right? It'd be like, <laughs> I miss the thrusting of the human throg. Getting fucked by a human since they have one-tenth the lifespan of us, they fuck like they are dying to. Pushing through and entering through her glorious Dude, everybody at this game has lighters out and Gil's all, like, uncomfortable. Come on, let's play ball! <laughs> Doesn't like to be reminded of his murder. <laughs> Bobby, you're back to your old self. Because fucking Ray Burn, of course, like, immediately hits a double. I do like that the, the, the level of success he has is not, like, he's not just, like, instantly home, uh, homering and shit and just, like, it's like, Oh yeah, like a little plays. Like he doesn't get the homer; he gets in inside the the park homer later on. How is the murder of 
<laughs> a primo not solved, by the way. Like, it's, yes. Like, <laughs> well, that, it's like, how did he get back there so easily? I mean, yeah. are these players kind of being protected a little bit? And, you could probably you know. figure out what type of knife it is. Yes. Easily. Or it's definitely a weird baseball fan if the where his 11 brand is peeled off of his body. There's got to be blood everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dripping from the manila envelope as he walked out. How did he, did he pat dry the fucking tissue before throwing it in there? So good scene of, of Bobby at the driving range. Not no like Manny's like, Hey, you went four for four. This is how you celebrate. Where's the champagne and the party. And, and, Manny just, or Bobby just going over how guilty he feels. Cause it's like, he admits to himself. is like, I thought about it. And Manny's like, I wish four people dead every day. I'm driving to work. Like you can't, <laughs> it's not your fault. I mostly wish people alive. Um, they don't, uh, they don't shoot at driving ranges anymore. Really? It used to be in movies a lot. Yeah. You always used to, you know, cinematically interesting throwing at a driving range. Was it an Action Boys movie or another recent movie where there's like a, they go to a driving range for like to meet with like one of the head gangsters is there and he's involved. In, I can't remember. It could be like nobody or something like not as cool. Either. Right. Yeah. And nothing's ringing to me. But yeah, you're right, Stang. It was a real 90s. Yeah. I think just because golf was really on the upswing. It was yeah, like Tiger, Tiger was bringing golf back and like, and it was cool. And it's been booming ever since. I mean, that, that was, yeah. this was really the start of golf kind of going up another tier in popularity. Do we got it? We, I mean, do we work into a golf movie for Shadow Wolves? I don't know. Ooh, we still we don't know decided. yet. Are we tin cupping? Who knows? We got a couple of days to figure it out. Greatest game ever played. So we get a little gimme shelter montage of Bobby just fucking cleaning up for the the latter part of the season or I guess the middle of the season. I who knows what the fucking time is in this movie. It's in baseball's a long season, so yeah. Gil is listening to Bobby get interviewed and he's starting to get pissed. Simple thank you would be nice. And he's stalk he's full blown stalking Bobby at this point and like hanging out on the the cliff of the ocean watching his son swim and then suddenly his son uh loses his boogie board when Bradley jumps after him and he's flailing in the water Gil goes running out of nowhere jumps in saves him again these are all just stunt people and it looks crazy. too athletic yeah, yeah. For for snipes it's fine, but for but for Gil, oh, it's I like think the guy does for snipes. Guy, there's a very clear shot of the different actor and like because I think Scott must have just thought it's like the lighting. All you'll see is like the silhouette, maybe the teeth. Um, yeah, we'll backlight it with the the sun, and, and it doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. It's like it's so they're so different looking. For a second, you're like, is this somebody in his entourage? Because I just saw De Niro like do a crazy butterfly stroke. Yeah, I know. Over De- like one of the waves. And stuff. <laughs> De Niro like... does like a full blown lifeguard entry somehow. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a can somehow. You're like, where did he get that? Some people's. <laughs> I loved that forever they... and always. They fucking nailed it with the movie version that was so. Oh, awesome. so awesome! Don't hassle Bravo. the half. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fucking thing that like couldn't die fast enough is like David Hasselhoff being a joke. 
Just like people <laughs> yeah. laughing at like what a fucking joke he is. Uh, where it's like, I do love it when people would bring up how popular he was in Germany. I'd always scream with laughter every time that guy. You know, he was actually a huge star in Germany. Yeah. They listen to his music. He's like a singer there. Those fucking Germans must be out of their mind. He's a joke in this country. <laughs> Let's all laugh at this fucking bad actor. <laughs> I saw him at the grill, which was a famous um, kind of hitter location where you would go if you're a big, you know, big wig in L.A. Um, it was like. Uh, and what were you doing there? One of my buddies would go yeah. there for uh, no, for lunch it. just to kind of like like yeah. watch eyeball people. people. You, you, yeah. you got burned, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take uh, it. Let me, let me clarify what Gabrus just did to you. He fucking burned your ass. <laughs> I mean, I was I was there to see like people like David Hasselhoff, and I saw him in there, and he was all fucking big, like super tall and uh, tan, and he had crazy small glasses that were tinted like blue or something, and just like kind of shaking his shoulder around shoulders talking to people but you'd see like fucking um he was smoking meth with david chokachi <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <he's> fucking... <laughs> great name for the male other male actor and fucking the kid's name is hobie Kobe. that actor's name is david chokachi <laughs> what was the woman what was his kind of like love interest the the only woman without like breast implants in the show the lieutenant the yeah. cop she, like with the oh yeah because she's yeah. in uh uh eight million ways to die uh it's oh i can't think of what her name when she's like attractive in that yeah she's attractive uh, but just seems like from a different universe yeah, you know my hero is Numi, of course. <laughs> yeah, Mike, that guy's Michael Numi Newman, actual uh, L.A. lifeguard, like and got trans. <laughs> he had the best physique. Picks a Gene Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, Hasselhoff was doing nitro in there with the Yasmin Bleef. <laughs> Yasmin Bleef booked Baywatch, then took swimming lessons. <laughs> like I never <laughs> swam. <laughs> That makes me so. She was a smoke show. I met that guy knew me. He was neighbors with a buddy of mine in the Palisades, and uh, oh, did some awesome. bike did some bike rides with him and shit. He's, he's a, good a guy. he's a legit lifeguard. It's I so, remember yeah, hearing so. my mom at a party going like, "I saw the boys watching Baywatch, and I for a second I thought it was the Playboy Channel." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's that's a such bit. a hack. Funny, like it's so. <laughs> That's a great bit, dude. Where it's like, Mom, have you watched Playboy? They're we don't like, have the Playboy <laughs> channel. Trust me. If you, we we did, wouldn't be watching Baywatch. If we did, you would have caught us watching that. Always. Yeah, we'd be watching hardcore fucking, Mom. <laughs> we could. It'd probably be softcore on Playboy, but still. Like, they would be simulating sex. Numi's diving off the boat in, like, every fucking episode because he's the only one who can do any can stunts. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> got parkinson's now unfortunately damn sorry to bring it down so this is probably the best scene in the movie this is where uh gill uses rayburn's like cologne and shit and goes in his closet puts on his full braves like turtleneck and jersey and then like some like kind of um zumba type pants when he's looking at himself he's like looks good on you i don't know about those pants (laughs) why does he do the braves jersey He's like a diehard Giants fan, right? I think he's <laughs> that the only point? one that I was think in it's, there. Yeah, it's like it's his game worn jersey. Like right. his yeah. his Giants shit is probably in the locker room. You know. Yeah. Do you think if Gill in this moment goes, "Look, I'm sorry, 
I, I, you know, I, I rescued your kid. Can you just do me a huge favor and buy like $150,000 worth of knives so I could just bring this and then everything would be resolved with only one murder? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He fucked up. That's the move. I mean, it's another thing. We, we're talking about good looking hats. The Braves hat is a good looking hat. Strong hat. Even You think they're going to get a new name? Braves? They got to be next up. The Cleveland... Indians are now the Cleveland Guardians, which I think is a lot of people were pushing for the Cleveland Spiders, which was their old name, which is a cool name. Really cool. What is the Guardians? That's after the Costner movie with uh, Ashton Kutcher. Uh, uh, I think it's from. I, by the um, way, I love that movie. The Oscar <laughs> swimming. Yeah, it's all swimming and diving out of boats and shit. It's the Nick Cage it. movie Guarding Tess. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's what it was. My mistake. It's based off the fu- uh, funniest comedy of the last 10 years, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> the um, Washington Redskins, which is the most fucked up name that's in sports. The, yeah, that's that a no-brainer. Is shock- yeah. It's shocking that it, it took so fucking long. Um, it took half my life. to. It's to fuck- fucking bullshit, man. Every Native American I know loves that name for them. How many do you know it's in the just, D.C. area? You it's just it. white liberals that don't that have a problem with it. Every Native American I know loves the name. I mean, I'm like totally like get rid of all of the Native American. Like 100%. To me, it's a fucking no-brainer. Um, the, it's like, yeah, all, all these people are mad. You're using their fucking culture as a mascot. Like, it right. makes sense. I get that. If it was me, I would be mad too. And uh, Washington's using the culture and a slur. Yes, that <laughs> one is like the. It's like okay, I could see people like tr- pushing back against Braves and Chiefs and like, uh, and like getting into semantics. But like the Redskins, like people are going to question that. Apparently, they're going to they're they're going to be the Red Wolves. Oh, I don't hate that. I, I mean, it's b- anything's better. The problem is wolves. It's just hard to come. Washington Red Wolves. Wolves. Washington Wolves. Washington Red Wolves. I guess they want the R for like so there's so much fucking Redskins merchandise. Like they think it like keeping the R will like why don't they be the Red Dead Redemptions? It'd be smart. Yeah. Yeah, good to hell. Yeah. (laughs) Smart, very smart. (laughs) Uh when Hank Aaron died, they they talked about renaming the Braves. The Atlanta Hammers. <laughs> That's and good. Thinking like a- instead of the tomahawk chop, they could do like a fucking hammer chop. It's really funny because hammers like a you know sometimes a, a euphemism for dick, mm-hmm. and then the hammer chop looks like a jerk off. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm very pro the hammers. <laughs> yeah, me too. Fucking drop the, the hammer, dicks. the big fucking <laughs> hammer. <laughs> The Chiefs, they got to do that. The Chiefs are probably going to... Oh, the Blackhawks supposedly have some deal worked out with the Blackhawk Hawk tribe, I believe. Uh, okay. And then same thing with the uh, Seminoles in college football. That's a really good mascot. And they're, all that stuff is cool that they do. As a white person, easy for me to say. I'm glad they have a deal with them. The Chiefs should definitely go. When you look at the the history of like the Chiefs, like naming and stuff, like it's all bad. It's like just some fucking crazy owner that like, uh, yeah, 
like to dress up as an Indian chief. And like, oh God, <laughs> it's all bad. And it sucks because so they, they just won the Super Bowl, and that's gonna yeah. keep people even more motivated to keep the fucking name and shit. What uh, what could they do that's close to Chiefs? Queefs? They should be the the KC Queefs. We've talked about. I I do re- honestly think we've talked about that on the show. <laughs> I, it felt it felt pretty good. I'm fairly so certain. I want to get Gabrus's take on this. He's getting a beverage refill, but I am very positive <laughs> that we we did a long bit about the Kansas City Queefs. <laughs> Maybe last sports temper. Do, does this do the Kansas City Queefs ring a bell to you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the uh, the uh, women's NFL, the women's football team, right? <laughs> they wanted the Q in there. I guess a lot of the merch has Qs. <laughs> Q. I, I I'm talking to this girl and she was telling me about working um, with the like some web like guy like Spider Man. It wasn't Spider-Man. It's actually, I'm referring to the internet. Um, he's okay. like a webmaster, but similar to Spider-Man in many ways. I mean, the, Spider-Man's um, a webmaster, but the, go ahead. Sorry. Batman's a scientist. A guy who's in charge of like seeing the unique visitors that come to your website. Okay. Which I'm sure most of those people are insane. And uh, <laughs> she's like, I've never been on call with him where it was just the two of us and i realized that right as i was like calling in and he was explaining his retirement plan which is just buying um urls which doesn't exist anymore right like nobody it's all about like social media and shit nobody's like i gotta get my website name also there's so many dot derivatives now like after it's not only dot com anymore you can have like dot so many things so it like it does if someone does have benrogers.com you could easily be benrogers.info and, and you like, can no, easily make it be like um uh cool guy biz like when you search yeah. ben rogers you can make it so it's like they get prompted right. to go to cool guy biz it's right. not my website don't you dare fucking buy it <laughs> don't you dare Campbell. cuz like the dude who had like when the internet popped off, a dude bought cosmopolitan.com, I feel like was like the big... Uh... Well, I remember thinking Amazon was going to fail. Because like, I remember be- like in the morning on my way to school, there was a, like a quick like fucking... These wacky online businesses, a company named Amazon just paid like a million dollars to some guy who owned Amazon.com. <laughs> and I was like, change your fucking name. And now they're yeah. the, they're the richest company that's ever existed on the planet Earth. Oh, I hope that dude got a million dollars in stock options. <laughs> they could be a million dollars richer. Uh, this uh, it's oh, interesting. So, so this guy who bought yeah. the the URLs. The reason I brought it up okay, was right. um, they were all uh, like Q related. And then she's like, "What? What is that?" And he's like, "Have you ever heard of Q?" She's oh, like, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, the online stuff. He's like, no, it's actually real. And then went into the full, oh, like, shit. history of oh. fucking, like, why white people were actually enslaved longer than, like, than anyone. Oh, Full-blown Q conspiracy theorist. Q wow. is a big tent, so there's a lot of, like, you could come in with a lot of bad uh, points of view as well. Yeah, Whites it, are the most it, marginalized group ever. 
<laughs> Nobody's been oppressed more than the whites. I have proof. <laughs> but also to just like somebody being like, have you heard of Q? And it's like, oh, yeah, the crazy bullshit online conspiracy theorist stuff on Facebook and stuff. And then your response being like, no, it's true. <laughs> yeah like okay this is my oh this is a perfect convert also i love the guys doing urls the dead business and even if it wasn't it's like the fucking shadiest shittiest thing to do it's like oh you're gonna gouge creative people and you know <laughs> make them pay for their you know you just buy up all the fucking space somebody got stanger.com and then like the email for it too and then wanted to charge me like five thousand yeah, the guy who owns benrogers.com like was like uh I, I offered him like a couple hundred dollars me this too is like yeah. 2008 and he's like um no i'm actually gonna be using it for an important project i'm like what no you're not <laughs> yeah i'm making a sex doll named ben rogers like what what could you possibly be doing the with another person's name <laughs> project that you're yeah. just sitting on <laughs> that you're not using it fucking takes you to a whole nother site my guy, RyanStanger.com, is just a Christian realtor out in, like, South Carolina, and his thing just jumps him to his Facebook, and he won't. And there, he is a, there is a missionary named Ben Rogers who owns the, like, straight-up Ben Rogers um, uh, Twitter, like, if you just type in my name, like, because I have an underscore between my first and second name. And uh, he's a lot of, like, people followed it thinking I was doing some bit. But like that Jesus yeah. account you have is pretty fucking spot on, man. <laughs> and I'm like, and I went to Too it real and I went to it and it's like him, like high five. It's like him opening, like opening orphanages in Africa and stuff. Like he's like actually like doing like real work. And I was like, you think this is my sense of humor? <laughs> so Bobby or Gil pretends to not know baseball at all calls bobby barry bonds and then gives himself the name curly which and doesn't it seem like wesley snipes loves saying curly yes (laughs) when he calls him curly towards the end of the movie even when he knows he's crazy it's straight up funny it is weird uh nancy's looking at some hotels because uh She's going to take Stone to Disneyland for his birthday. And so it's like, do you stay at the Disneyland hotel? Do you stay at one of the other ones or whatever? And uh, she was reading me a review. And one of them said, there were stains on everything. I don't have a problem with a stained towel. But when it's at a hotel, it's kind of weird. Not to mention hairs on every corner of the room. Hairs still in the bathroom. And then there was something really strange and annoying in the bed. There were little brown curly beard hairs. (laughs) (laughs) And Nancy didn't pick up on it. I was like, beard hairs. What what kind of beard are we talking about? (laughs) The weirdest, strangest thing in the middle of the bed. (laughs) Right next to what must be a chocolate stain. The guy must have had a big beard with chocolate on it because there's chocolate. What does this lady's pubic hair look like? How can she (laughs) not know? I mean, the difference between men and women's pubic hair isn't fucking crazy. It's just the smell that's different. (laughs) Maybe she shaved from the beginning and just never has She never let it grow in, in. yeah. She got electrolysis. Maybe she shaved it. 
Maybe she was born with it. A bald pussy. <laughs> Maybe she's born with it. <laughs> Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> Maybe it's Maybelline. I mean, she's definitely born with a bald pussy. <laughs> I was born full pubes. Just pubes. Bald head. Like your parents bald, like, I was a little bald well, baby. Some... Well, full set of pubes. Little there's baby some dick. Kids that have like the big crazy hair yeah. when they're burnt, uh-huh. born. It could happen. It with could pubes. happen. Could happen. I just had a fucking full set of pubes day one. Everything else had to grow in naturally, but yeah, it, it was tough. They fell out, of course, and then came back blonde. My childhood was, was tough. <laughs> what movie is the joke? It's a boy, and what a boy, that's sir. Simpsons. That's the umbilical cord. <laughs> that's the Simpsons. Yeah. That's when Bart's born. <laughs> or that's when Maggie's born. <laughs> <laughs> so Bobby asks for what tells Gil, like, I'll do anything for you. You saved my son. And Gil's like, anything? I still got like I, I still got some life in this shoulder. Can I pitch to you? So they go on the beach and he he's kind of teasing out Bobby to like get him to say thank you to him because like he wants him to admit that like Primo's death. Um and he, he's like, So I, why'd you stop playing so well? And Bobby's like, you know what? I just stopped caring. Oh, wrong answer. This is gonna bum Gil out. Gil freaks out and just starts losing it, and like gives him a little chin music, pitches too much in the inside, and then um, Wesley snipes his face when the pitch comes inside. When he looks back at him, and he's like, he has a look in his eye, like, "What the fuck is this guy's deal?" In that moment, right there, you, you realize, he like, oh, bit. he's got a shit ton to draw on. These guys must be dealing with crazy people all the fucking time. Yep. And Wesley Snipes is like he does such a good job of of like realizing this guy's totally nuts as he's talking to him and like trying to just parry away Distance, and getting more yeah. and more gentle <laughs> gentle with him. And then I, I've I've seen it in practice a little bit with Gabrus where where you just uh, people will feel entitled to Gabrus, you know, to where it's like, <laughs> hey man, you, we got to talk, dude. You that was fucking stupid or something. You're Put just your like, arm around me, you fat yeah. fuck. I'm a yeah, fat you're fuck. Like, you're like, what? You're the like, f- all right, I I don't I don't know who <laughs> you Let's are. Suck man. each other's dicks, man. <laughs> Once and for all, right? <laughs> all right, let's fucking party. I mean, I've told this story before doing uh, a show with Gabrus where I was talking about like how annoying it is that like everybody's like his best friend sometimes. And then I went to take a piss after the show and there's some wasty guy at the urinal next to me. And he's just like, I'd like to be his friend. (laughs) (laughs) Was it the best friends show or something? Is that what Uh, it was like a storytelling show where, yeah, I I think that was the name of it um, where we had to like tell, tell a story. Um, which we had already told before, and we did it second on uh, second time recorded like just a worse version of it, which I thought was funny. <laughs> That's always how it goes. Can never catch the excitement of the first one. So Gil is like, let me throw one more. I still haven't given you my best pitch. And he takes off his jacket, revealing that yeah, he's, he's wearing, wearing the, 11, the, the number eleven. And this really <laughs> fucks up Bobby and also like spooks him because somebody else is wearing 11 which like obviously he doesn't like and and it's enough where he's like okay uh, we're all done and he shakes <laughs> yeah. his hand he's like thanks so much and gil won't he's like tell me a little a little happy that level with me tell me you're a little happy he's dead just a little simple thank you would have been nice for 
taking down a sacrifice. <laughs> and then he's like, what about the glove? And fucking Bobby walks away. He's like, what about the glove? Keep it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the way he handles it. It's like, oh, looks good on you. Like, you wear it well, man. Looks good on you. You know, it's yeah. like, keep Just all give the me stuff. This fuck. It's all worth it. Just get the fuck <laughs> yeah. out of here. <laughs> yeah. The, um, then of course his kid's gone. We're going into the home stretch here. Gil's fucking gone fully, full psycho, kidnapped Sean, Bobby's son, driving. That's a great reveal when they just like zoom out. He's Mm -hmm. driving in his car. We're going fishing. Why are we going at night? Night fishing's the best. (laughs) This is where he's singing the stones. He fucking calls him. I love when he calls him and wants him to check the freezer. It can't be a good thing. I I think that that Bobby's not... (laughs) He should let it show on his face more that he's freaked out to look Don't at the Don't you freezer. think at all? You're a lucky idiot. <laughs> Curly, what do you want? You to show me some respect. I want every time they think of you, they think of me. That's I remember creepy. that from the trailer. Yeah, me too. You owe me. Check the free. It's, um, there's a lot of good shit where he's like, there it is. He finally figured it out. Sluggers, man, they're stupid as they say, but I'm a pitcher. Pitchers are pitchers use their brains. <laughs> what is it from the trailer that they that he always says uh, starting to mean something to you now or what, mm. something like that? Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, I remember from the yeah. So they go to a construction site. This is a, a favorite site of Tony Scott, where mm-hmm. they, he loves using these trailer offices at construction sites. Where they and he tells uh, Gil tells Sean to like just play along. He's gonna we're gonna pull a prank on this guy, and uh, knock on it. Security guard answers. It's our boy from the thing. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, and he's Coop, and he's immediately Charles, oh, Charles Halloran. He's one of the first guys who gets killed in uh, the thing. One one of the first guys they suspect to be the alien. Maybe is one of the first aliens. I can't remember. Yeah. God, we've done that for the for the podcast, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. We did it our first Octuki. Wow. My <laughs> zero memory of that. <laughs> I think we talked mostly about how cool McCready's clothes were. <laughs> I love his Coop is like this hat. guy's nuts and is immediately like, hey, whose kid is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you're kind of like, you're like, what is, is Coop just going along with it? But then you realize he's kind of just letting him play out all the psycho shit. And then he's going to, when he can, try to get the kid out of there. So bad, bad plan. The bad escape. Bobby gives his demand or Gil. Bobby calls Gil. Gil gives his demands that he wants Bobby to hit a home run. And when he does, he needs to put a Polaroid that Coop just took of him up on the Jumbotron and and they have to write thank you Gil a real fan or something along those lines. <laughs> the Polaroids they take are really funny. It's it's he and Sean, uh, Bobby's son, like posing together, like smiling with knives in their mouth. Yeah, the one they're... with the knives holding up. It's like and then like... the one he ultimately chooses like is the footage. funniest one where he looks <laughs> yeah. the most nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Coop is like listening to all this. He's like, uh, the cops are going to be all over us. I'd love to have one of those Polaroids from the movie signed by De Niro. Ah, that'd be a great Dear Ryan, a real fan. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I love that. (laughs) Oh, God, what a piece of memorabilia that would be. 
Dude, the fucking, the shit in the sauna where De Niro kept one of the bobbleheads and then they just had to pay the lady like all this money because like, he's like, I'm going to take one of these as a memento and like not realizing they were props on loan from some collector and then they had to like pay the collector money for like 500 bucks. Yeah, they just had to quietly do it. They're like, all right, we're not going to ask him for it back. So just uh, (laughs) so budget got a little bigger. Of course, Gil starts pitching to Coop and uh and past Sean after like really laying into the little league coach he's like fucking giving Sean so much heat that the kid starts crying yeah. which is also totally real i remember getting yeah. freaked out when fucking somebody would throw a fastball by you it freaks you the fuck out i, yeah. I have memories of like my dad's family like we play like sports against each other and they're not they're like 30-year-old men, and I'm like 12 or 13, and they're playing full strength against me, basketball, soccer, volleyball, whatever it is. We were talking about baseball earlier. I played up because I was just bigger, and I played up a league, and like I remember just catching two or three in the chin, and I was just like, I'm fucking done, dude. I can't I can't take another baseball to the face. I was so afraid of the ball, I never even swung at it. Sony. Yeah. I just <laughs> I could not fuck around. The Walkman. <laughs> the Walkman, baby. So... Coop is like hanging there, kid. We're going to be okay. And then he throws the ball over Gil's head. And Gil's like, what are you doing? And then he's like, run. And he like gets Sean over a fence. And then Coop fucking comes up to him and is like, we could have been a team. And then he fucking cracks him with the bat. Oh, God. It was Little League. We were 12 years old. Then he fucking (laughs) cracks him again. (laughs) Great little end there. I played. (laughs) That's all he's talking about, how he played. He knows he played. Like, I'm no schlub off the street. I played. I'm a pitcher. I use my mind. Like, And then all of that specifics just unravel when you're like, oh, he never played. And he catches up with Sean. He's all blood splattered and scary looking at this point. And uh, the cops, of course, find the Hummer at the station along with Coop's dead body. And Bradley's okay. He's in the Hummer. And then there's a knife in the Polaroid in the dashboard. Um, Gil calls Jewel, who starts snap is like, because she hears the watch and it's like, it's Gil. And Jewel, of course, is the only one who's like, he's in the stadium. For some reason, the cops don't believe that, which is fucking insane. And they're questioning Gil's son and being like, does your dad have a special place he goes? Dude, okay, I want to talk about this. This is the cop's idea. It's like, we got to find him. It's like, well, let's ask his kid if the dad has any special locations he takes him to. That's your guess. The da- it's a different story. I mean, it worked somehow, but it's a di- they're able to piece together that the like the knife is a prototype and like, right. hey, isn't this local made? And then they figure out who Gil is. And then they ask the son, like, where does he go? Like, and he's like, yeah, he used to play Little League at this place called like the the field in the sky. <laughs> so also the rain, it's starting to rain and it adds even more pressure on like, can he? Hit not only hit a home run before the game's over, can he hit a home run before the game gets called a fucking rain delay? And Gil made, he's like, if they go easy on you, I'm going to kill your fucking son. Do I have your attention now? <laughs> Tony Scott loves to shoot a, a dark stadium in the rain. <laughs> yeah, like the opening of uh, Last Boy Scout. I loved when they start Blanks. walking. They're walking uh, Bobby. It's like, you walking yeah. me? Consider it a compliment, dickhead. This has the potential of being exciting, like him mm. trying to get the hit, 
um, it kind of ultimately fizzles. But there's some moments where, like, oh fuck, the rain, and and then, he, and then I and... do love that, like, they come back from the rain delay, and he gets right in the pitcher's face, and the the commentary of the 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 color commentator being like, this might be because when he played for the pitcher, Pittsburgh Pirates, he did hit Rayburn and just adding some bullshit story yeah. to like the, the fucking drama. <laughs> yeah. I did like that. And, but it works. He bullies the pitcher to pitch to him. He hits an inside the park home run. He makes it all the way around the bases and the ump calls him out. And it's like out. And he starts arguing. And then he realizes the ump is fucking Gil. Now, again, I'm so confused. So Gil, it seems like if Gil's calling him out, that means he wants to kill his son, right? Yeah. Like now, he's like on to because it still feels like maybe wait, he was out. Yeah, he's just too honest. <laughs> yeah, he's fair, man. Baseball's fair. Baseball's it fair. Looked like he was, it looked, it looked like, like he was, was very safe. It looked yeah. like he was safe, but, you know, it's hard. It's one of those bang, bang plays. <laughs> are, are we ever truly safe? Does he just want to keep the game going? He wants to keep it going or something? Mm. Could be. I don't know. It's it is weird though, because it's just like, what do you what do you want? Yeah, because now I don't understand your end game at all because he's gonna reveal that he's the I mean, he's obviously just spiraling. And then like all the teams come out thinking there's like some fucking crazy brouhaha. And then fucking Gil has his knife, so he stab he stabs Bobby in the shoulder, and then like the one dude, like the crook looking dude comes out, gets his throat slit. Yeah, murdered. I when he pulls the knife out, it is legit scary. You are afraid for people with him and that knife because he is deadly with that knife. Not he's like, care. Oh, just a and little we've bit. Seen, I we've never seen showed you my best cars. pitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's like winding up with the knife, and and all the fucking cops blow him away. Where's Sean Curley? <laughs> this is a weird moment in the movie, though, because Robert De Niro's like. If they kill me, your son will die. And he's like, oh, wait, don't. And so he has to, like, fight for the cops to not kill Robert De Niro, who's, like, going to maybe throw a knife at somebody. It's it, pretty It's pretty clunky. I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> it yeah. It, and then he's with the cops when they go to find the that kid. That makes they have no him. sense. Like, They're like, they got him out of the stadium. That means they killed killed from the an stadium. unemployed knife salesman <laughs> shot to death. <laughs> <laughs> unemployed, the ultimate insult. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, there's a framed photo in his psycho baseball hangout that's like, Gil Renard saves the day. And he's, from, like a, uh, like, he's like a little kid on the Yeah, the, like 12-year-old <laughs> Little League game, the highlight of his life. Well, there you have it, guys. Uh, it is Sports Timber. And this is our first sports film for Sports Timber, a classic action sports film. And we adhere to a classic rating system on this class podcast. We're a classic man. Gabriel's on a scale of zero to five stars. Where do you have the 1996 Tony Scott spectacular, The Fan? Oh, I believe there are. Uh... Five holes in the dash uh, in the hood of the boss's car. So I'm going to go with five stars. Five, sir. Rogers is swinging around by you. Zero stars, worst score. Five stars, the best score you can get this movie. Quick reminder for you and the folks at home zero to five stars. Uh, the fan. Oh, I, I think it's fair to call it a love letter to positive thinkers. <laughs> five stars. <laughs> five stars from Roger. Right down. Right, 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 right. Uh, Stangerang, back to you, Orang. It's time <laughs> to end, <laughs> to end dun, the segment. Dun, 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 dun. Are you ready for this? Time. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? 
Y'all ready for this? <laughs> Five stars. stars. Y'all ready for stars? Y'all ready Who for ratings? Who should we recommend uh, this I watched this too. on Stars. Shout out Stars for having the So band. did I. Well, I watched it on Stars. Five stars, Stars. Uh, are you... Uh... Is your name Mr. Pellegrini? I have a quick question I wanted to ask. Do you take it in the ass? <laughs> Recommend this podcast. Also, what proof do you have about <laughs> Jagger? I mean, I guess there's a lot of stories out there. A lot of them. I'm just curious as mm. to which one. Him in bed. Were you David involved? Do you have yeah, your own involved? proof? <laughs> I mean, because that would be the ultimate diss on fucking Gil. What if Mr. Pellegrini was like, yeah, I do. So what? I fuck Jagger. <laughs> there it was crazy. you happy i got a first-hand account yeah well i remember when nick recorded this in 72 we drove home at dawn are you a security guard in a san francisco office building and none of your friends at the bar believe you that a guy brought a car door into the office <laughs> recommend this podcast too do you work at a a big five and you just lost your uh your hookup for uh, hunting knives. <laughs> yeah. Do you work at a sporting goods store and you would get so much ass if only you had a kayak to sell? <laughs> that guy was a great creep. Stanley Jackson or whatever for uh, Jefferson Sporting Supplies. <laughs> Zooming in on the girl. Do you know somebody who um, washed out trying to be a slugger but wound up becoming a great exterminator because they really took the note Squash the bug to heart. <laughs> uh, do you know the other exterminator? Because don't hire this guy. I hired him because I had a roach problem, and I found a thousand fucking daggers in my wall. Yeah, a guy. lot of holes <laughs> in my wall. I got fucking so much plaster work I got to do now. He's a gambit throwing like a bunch of <laughs> Do you know a, uh, a, a Stanford gr- grandma that's like a Pied Piper? Second you leave your kid unattended, she's swooping in and driving the kids somewhere. Uh, recommend this podcast. Yeah, you know, I fucking installed uh, holes in the wall. Made me think of this. I installed a, a shelf in my closet, and uh, I'm real proud of myself. Felt good, you know. I got the drill out, and then I went to take a piss, and I had drilled straight through the wall into the bathroom, and the hole couldn't be more perfectly aligned across from the toilet to make it look <laughs> like I'm fucking like. Keeping on somebody to taking a shit in my bathroom. Keep shitting in there. You're doing great. I can't see you. Step on the eggshell. <laughs> Squash the bug. Squash the bug. Do you know somebody with a whole new strategy? <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want to fire somebody, but they guarantee you they have a new strategy that's going to work really well, and you're just a fucking sucker for that kind of positive thinking? Do you know somebody that didn't really fully understand sex until they realized that the baseball was the ejaculate? Um, I recommend the podcast to him. Do, do you... Do you have a sprained ankle from when your dad stomped on it, chasing down a pop fly? <laughs> <laughs> I got to rewatch that scene. Yeah. I, I, so dude, funny. I, dude, it's so fucking funny. 
It looks so good. He really just steamrolls through the crowd. It really looks like a pro- It's so funny. Yeah. You're right. And that last pull at the end of just, just trying like, to kind of like, get it. so meekly, no, he's but he's like, well, maybe it shakes loose. Yeah. <laughs> Drifted. Do you know uh do you know what kind of dog food Bradley's on? Some kind of super like it's <laughs> <Yeah>. on <laughs> forty pounds you in know, six weeks. <laughs> do you know the makers of that fucking super high octane dog food? Uh, I mean hook hook us up. Maybe Bradley's Delphi's fucking fading away on us. Like we need to hook her up with that. Yeah. While we're sorting out, do you know the makers of that? Bunk ass boogie board they put Sean on. We gotta yeah. fucking sue him. <laughs> yeah, give him something that'll float for Christ's sake. That thing made out of cement. Come on, y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Uh, uh, are you? <laughs> do you know two gay dudes who went to go blow each other in the steam room and slipped <laughs> in a fucking blood? <laughs> Was like, oh come on, recommend this podcast. <laughs> Just two guys who met in the hotel <laughs> thought they were going to have like a fucking very easy <laughs> tryst in, in, yeah, just completely fucking in, no murder, yeah, and no strings attached, NSA, nothing to stress about, and now they're talking to cops for fucking eleven hours. But you know what? I hope that's a meat cute, and it went from being like just a fucking uh, a random sex capade into like maybe a full blown relationship. They danced to, to, to the cops. And we we Sunday Bloody Sunday on their wedding. They danced to Sunday Bloody Sunday, and everyone kind of knows their meeting story, so everyone kind of laughs. Yeah, they met when they discovered Juan Primo's body. <laughs> <laughs> they knew it was him immediately by his Joan Jet haircut. <laughs> <laughs> his Miley Cyrus mullet. <laughs> he looks so fucking cool. He looks cool. <laughs> All right, I... um. I'm going to put on this cockroach costume. I got to shoot a quick scene. <laughs> I'm going to put on this car door costume. I got to shoot a quick scene. I guess I'm going to dress up like as this. John Crook's throat again. <laughs> again, it's third year in a row. You put I know, yeah, dude, but I spent the money you on the costume. Fat, loudmouth baseball player. <laughs> Yeah, in a bag. <laughs> yeah. Can somebody make Action Boys bag costumes? <laughs> I yeah. thought Stanger was reading my IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> Four different roles. Fat, loud. <laughs> Fat, loud podcaster. <laughs> Fat, loud brother. <laughs> Fat, loud guy at wedding. Perverted space wizard. Wait, quick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just like (laughs) sucked fucking phlegm into like my skull when I snorted on that laugh. Oh, I just gave myself like an ice cream headache somehow. (laughs) Dude, this just randomly reminded me of something. Uh, I was uh, away in wine country with my in-laws and my father-in-law goes. My niece just texted me. She said she loves you as the chubby roommate on the show Younger. And I just write, I say, well, tell her she can call me just the roommate on that show if she wants. <laughs> she was on speaker and she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was like, just think about what you're saying to someone. 
<laughs> I love you as that fat, ugly character in that show you're on. It's like, uh, I'm not wearing any makeup or anything. That's God damn it. <laughs> Aspiring actor and animal communicator <laughs> costume. <laughs> All right, I finally got this costume on. I'm going to go climb. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, shit. I got to go help that kid. Oh, wait. That's not a kid. That's a... Blah. Thank you for listening to this very special episode of High and Mighty, where we played an episode of Action Boys. So go to actionboys.biz, that's A-C-T-I-O-N-B-O-Y-Z dot B-I-Z, and subscribe. It's a Patreon podcast, but it's worth it. $5 a month, you get four super long episodes, and for $8 a month, you can become a shadow wolf and find out what that means more at patreon.com slash actionboys or actionboys.biz. Bye, shitheads. Mighty.